I'm Alex Shaw. I'm Sharon Shaw. And, and welcome, welcome to, to School of Movies. Four slices of American pie. In their May issue, Movie Line magazine released its top summer movies to see after Star Wars. Austin Powers. American Pie. Wild Wild West. Eyes Wide Shut. Notting Hill. Which makes us ask the question, why American Pie? Okay, well, one time, at band camp, I stuck a flute... <coughs> Is it the getting caught? Hey, Jimmy. Just wanted to say sweet dreams. Yeah, yeah. Good night, Mom. I, I think he's trying to watch some illegal channels here. Illegal, illegal channels? Oh, baby. You know what, here, Just uh, give me this. Oh, and let's God. get this. Yeah. Oh, oh. What the hell's the matter with this thing here? The awkward moments. I want the right time, the right moment, the right place. It's not a space shuttle launch. It's sex. The infatuation. I love you. <laughs> okay. The desperation. What exactly does it feel like? Warm apple pie. Fascination. Huh? We'll just tell your mother that, uh, that, uh, we ate it all. You know, guys, maybe I'm just not good with girls, period. All that you gotta do is just ask them questions and listen to what they have to say and stuff. I don't know, man. That sounds like a lot of work. Here's to the next step. This bed is on fire Universal Pictures presents... Perhaps you could help me with my studies? If you ever had a chance with Nadia, this is it. A story about the moves. You bad boy! The madness. What you drinking? Scotch. Single malt. Aged 18 years. The way I like it. And the moments in our lives. Please, God, let this be it. If you want to hook up with her, tell her you love her. That's how I was due. That are as American as apple pie. Boy, it's been a long time since we've had the little father-son uh, chat. Oh, I, I almost forgot. I bought some magazines. Well, this is the this is the uh, female form. Look at the expression on her face. She's kind of looking right into your eyes, saying, "Hey, big boy." Oh my God. Oh. American Pie. You know, I forgot you've been there and back. Well, I've you know, learned about you know, I'm As you might expect, if you know even the first thing about these movies. Very sexual content coming up, and some really creepy male behavior. Graphic descriptions of fairly disgusting bodily stuff. And the lowest of lowbrow humor. You have been warned. The original American Pie from 19... No, yeah... <laughs> From 1999. I don't think I saw this until the year 2000. Or maybe maybe it was late 99 at that point. I was just going to college myself. So it was kind of a... The, the guys in this were literally my age, or at least my position of moving on from high school and going on to college when I saw it. Ooh, uh, directed by Paul Weitz. Recognize the name? No. Well, he wrote Ants. Uh, he directed About a Boy. That's pretty good. Oh, so he's Chris Weitz's brother. Yeah. And uh, he executive produced The Golden Compass. Also, he directed, wrote, and produced Cirque du Freak, The Vampire's Assistants, uh, and Little Fockers. But my guess is, since you got American Pie 2 here uh, on his executive producer, and then American Wedding executive producer, and American Dreams, American Reunion executive producer, but he didn't direct any of the following American Pies. Okay. 
Okay, so um, especially to younger uh, listeners who might not have been around at this point, this was the start of a big new early 2000s trend of frat comedies, effectively. It was picking back up the stick from Porky's and Revenge of the Nerds in the 80s. It hadn't really been a thing in the 90s, and I suppose you could put, like, Animal House in there in the 70s. Honestly, I, I feel like almost like with the death of the Police Academy series, mm. it was signified to Hollywood, look, these films are just rotten. Stop making them. Well, probably the closest that I was particularly aware of was, like, Real Genius and Weird Science, which is not quite the same thing. Real Genius, as I recall, was pretty good. Weird Science was really creepy. Yes. Those boys. Yes, it was. You want to talk about objectifying women. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, now we're going to talk about American Pie here because we, we, we watched it with Willow in a kind of a has this dated what will upset Willow way. Like, obviously, we knew it would have dated. It is now 22 years old. And one th the first thing I noticed was the cast on this thing like almost all of them it launched their careers for a bit mm. like this sort of bounced them upwards and then they were able to kind of coast for a bit so for example like Mena Suvari went into the Oscar winning American Beauty so yeah. that's probably the most high profile thing uh, Sean William Scott who might actually be one of the most talented people in this kind of got a career going from this but he, he was playing an irritating guy, so I think he was probably cast as an irritating guy. Yeah. Like, whatever Matthew Lillard didn't get, Sean William Scott Sean William got. Sean William Scott got, yeah. Uh, he's he's recognisable and he's a name, but he never quite hmm. popped. Alison Hannigan was trying to crack into movies having followed, finished up Buffy, uh, but I think her biggest mistake was being in Not Another Teen Movie, where she was just a walking fat joke. Hmm. Just a rotten fucking... Not great. I think her career's gone more down the producing path now. Oh, cool. She and her husband do mm. quite a bit of stuff together. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Chris Klein went on to be... I think probably his best film is Election, where he plays this kind of the same guy, like this affable sports goof mm. who like is kind of oblivious to what's going on. Uh, but then he was in Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, and I don't think we've seen him ever since then. Mm. Jason Biggs, I think, had a fairly similar trajectory. He was he he played a few roles in which he was pretty close to Jim. Mm. So it's like this is your recognisable yeah. face. We're going to get you to do that. Loser, uh, I think that's directed by Amy Heckling, uh, came out roughly the same time as this, and is about a guy who's very much like Jim, but he's just a much a nice kid from Minnesota. Yeah. Also starring Minnesota. Also starring Minnesota. Um, uh, like starting out in college and trying to be a decent guy while surrounded by fucking scumbags. So Loser has dated a lot less than American Pie. Yeah. It, it feels like kind of a natural successor mm. to to the high school end of American Pie. Yeah, there's also the, there's that kid who just Finchy. He's doing Nicolas Cage, like mm. he's doing like, a version of like impersonating Nicolas Cage, and he seems like an adult trapped in a child's body. Mm. I uh, don't think I've seen him in anything else. Yeah, um, but 
probably the, the brightest star who sort of stands in the background with a wry grin is Natasha Leon, who went on to do a ton of really excellent Netflix stuff. Mm, absolutely. And I take her character in this, by the way, and I said so last night, as she's having a Freaky Friday, but it's lasted months now. She is her own mum trapped in her daughter's body, and her daughter is at home in her mum's body watching TV all day because she's like, don't leave the house. Whatever you do, you cannot screw up my life. I'd like to be you for a day. I'd like to be you for a day. You want to know what's weird? We recorded this months ago. We Hate Movies published their American Pie episode fairly recently and came to the same conclusions. Natasha Leon's character of Jess is in fact her own mum trapped in the body of her teenage daughter. But she goes to school and learns all the lessons and she's like, I'm gonna get you through school, then maybe I'll get you through college. Give these kids some sensible advice. But yeah, she's she's a fucking grown-up surrounded by these children who don't know anything about sex. And the whole movie is ostensibly about, if you look at it from a high perspective, it is about a bunch of idiot boys who are nice, like, Ish. ish. Mostly. Like, they're, they're decent kids. Mm-hmm. Learning by the end, hey, you know what? Stop trying to aim for the vagina like it's some kind of goalposts. And to that end, it's quite sweet in its uh, its conclusion. However, to get there, you got to get through some creepy-ass shit. Not to mention some highly toxic obliviousness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again... The two extremes are, at the end, uh, you've got uh, Chris Klein and Mena Savari just kind of canoodling and making out on the, the docker, and it's very romantic and sweet, and they don't end up having sex, they just fool around, and that's more than fine. Ah, that's really interesting. See, huh? my interpretation was they did, huh? but he has learned not to kiss and tell, and so he tells them it, that nothing happened. You mean it's Schrodinger's bonk? Yeah. Basically, yeah. I mean, they, they do, like, they, they get naked, but you don't see the actual act. Yeah. But the point is that they've re- he's reached the maturity. Like, he starts off like, I'm the sensitive guy. <clears throat> and then says to a college girl, suck me, beautiful. Which, like, it's... the There is a lot of cringe humour in the whole thing. And Willow was, like, sort of getting up and running out of the room often in a kind of, I can't watch Actually, this! Actually, I was quite impressed with how well they... Like, they, they did have to sort of... Step out occasionally, but they they contended with the cringe element a lot better than I've mm. seen them do before, uh, and and part of that I think is that it seems pretty apparent. I mean, in Chris Klein's case, for example, dude, you look like Chris Klein. You're gonna recover from this. Mm. You're gonna be fine. Suck me, beautiful. <laughs> but the film is on the side of the girls who are like, does that work? Yeah. <laughs> Like, the film is... I mean, Honestly, the film could have had more of an edge if it had been from the perspective of Natasha Leon, mm. Like, um, sort of just going around going, OK, so there's this guy in my class. He's totally hopeless with women. I'm just going to kind of Serrano de Bergerac him just a little bit. Absolutely. Um, she could have made her college fund back. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if she's gay and she knows what women want. That mm. would be kind of... That's kind of a cool movie. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to take that and uh, have a young... Class lesbian takes commissions on how to get you idiots to sort your life. I felt. <laughs> and what, interestingly, like she, what she ends up doing is, um, okay, the plot is these four boys uh, decide, <laughs> I think it's declared, no longer will our penises be flaccid and dry. We will get laid by prom. And like they make a sex pact. Flaccid and useless, I think yeah. he says. The modern day version of this one is blockers where it's girls who do, uh, do it. And it's mm-hmm. much more like, like it's a 
it has the same kind of outcome in terms of what's romantic, what's intimate, what's uh, healthy. And the girls have it all down, pretty much. They they are able to make their own decisions. The focus in that film is their ridiculous the idiot parents. parents who grew up with this kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Blockers is fan-fucking-tastic and a wonderful kind of, like, uh, like I say, update. But these boys then set about going through a whole bunch of escapades in finding out about sex, trying to get dates for the prom... Having weird sex capades. Okay, so obviously the most famous one is that Jim asks what... Is it second base? Third base. What third base feels like? Warm apple pie. McDonald's or homemade? I mean, it's quite good delivery on the lines. There's a, there's a, there's a great bit at the beginning where Jim is watching porn, but it's not... It's it's scrambled porn on TV, I was and he's say, sort of watching. It's nineteen nineties. You're you're trying yeah. to watch a cable channel. You're not paying for. And like the whole scene is cringeworthy, but there's this one second where Eugene Levy, his dad, uh, and his mum come into the room, and they start trying to talk to him while he was clearly trying to have a wank. Yeah. Something wrong with the reception? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's this nature show that I'm trying to watch, and the birds are all scrambled, and I can't even. Do me. Yes, uh, baby, ride me like a pony. Thing must be broken. I sat on the remote or something. Oh. I. Uh, I'm ready for bed, son. Yep, I'm all set, Dad. Uh, all set. Yeah. No, no. I, I think he's trying to watch some illegal channels here. Illegal, illegal channels? This is just a uh, bad reception, honey. Respect my hairy ass. What's that? Ooh. He doesn't miss a beat. It's brilliant. Unfortunately, Michael Bay was watching and decided. This is what I'm going to fill my Transformers films with. No, I don't care that it's not appropriate. Guess what is appropriate? Me counting these fat stacks, bitch! No, no, he didn't say that. He's a lovely man. Very nice hair. Good at meetings. Oh, this is, this is, uh, clearly a wildlife documentary he's watching. Oh, spank my hairy ass. What's that? And it's this. <laughs> it's the absurdity of, oh, spank my hairy ass coming from the guy <laughs> with Eugene Levy's deadpan immediate, nah? <laughs> That is great that comedy. Batman's timing, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he, he was one of the ones who stuck around <coughs> in this series. He was in, like, N American Pie, the straight-to-DVD one starring Stifler's brother. Yeah. Who played Hogarth in The Iron Giant, by the way. No one is untainted by these things. Indeed. Speaking of taints. Incidentally, <laughs> just to resolve the answer to that particular question... Oh, spank my hairy ass. No, no. <laughs> McDonald's, because last time I checked, it didn't have chunks of apple in there. I feel like I've been scalded by too many McDonald's apple pies to qualify that That's one. That's true. <laughs> Neither is the answer. Anyway. Neither. Anyway. <laughs> so Jim ends up actually finding a pie on the shelf, and he's like... I wonder. And then, yeah, his dad comes home and it's like, why were you doing it in the kitchen? Why were you doing it standing up? Why, why were you, you doing, doing it? it at all? Ah. Ah. The other extreme is the character of Stifler, played by Sean William Scott, who's like, what are you fuckers? What are you queers doing? And like, he is toxic as shit. He has a terrible relationship with his mother, obviously. He's wildly compensating, and he's teaching his little brother to do the same thing. Yeah. He's a fucking scumbag. And the film actually is of that opinion as well. Like, he's, uh, you know, he's a jock, but, like, he's also not really part of the group. He's just there pressuring Oz, the, the sweet little Chris, sweet massive Chris Klein, um, to be more predatory in his moves towards women. This was one of the few bits that I actually fast forwarded through when Stifler drinks the pale ale. I was like, you know what? We don't, none of us need to see this. We're, we're having our dinner well, at this so point. Also, you didn't want to make your wife throw up. Yeah. 
Although I nearly did describing something. You did. Like, uh, I was describing something that happens in three. We'll get to it. And, uh, and, and you were laughing and at the same time vomiting. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, I was wondering whether this film would be improved if it was co-written by a man and a woman and they had focused on a bunch of girls and a bunch of boys at the same time. None of these fucking films actually seem to do that. Mm. Like, it's always mostly the boys and occasionally, occasionally the girls talk. Tara Reid will ask Natasha Leon about orgasms and she's like, you know a double click to a mouse button? Mm. And she's like, no, I don't know what it's like. Basically, there's two movies going on here. Yeah. There is the girls' movie and the boys' but movie. But we don't get to see but much of the really girls' movie. we don't really see the girls' movie. And also because the girls are not all friends, mm. which is actually, I, I was thinking about this, I actually appreciated that because it makes it feel a little bit less like, well, you four have hang out, we four hang out, we better pair up. The T-Birds hanging out with the pink ladies. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but that means that there isn't a lot of interaction between the girls going on. So, honestly, a second movie that focused on them would not have been a miss at all. But it wouldn't have sold as well. But it wouldn't have sold as well, and this is very much the era of blue for the boys and pink for the girls, unfortunately. To, like, at least to the film's credit, uh, this film, like I said, ends sweet, we'll see about the others. It did at least, there were some mimetic moments in there. The uh, the whole MILF thing. It was edited by a woman. There you go then. The whole MILF thing coined by um, John, John Cho. Cho. Uh, who I think, like, this might have been his first performance. This is prior to Harold and Kumar. Really? Yeah. Oh, right. uh, if it, as I believe Harold and Kumar was billed as the guy from American Pie that said MILF and... The guy from Van Wilder who said very inappropriate things in a very thick Indian accent. Uh-huh. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle is the American name. Harold and Kumar get the munchies is the British name. Let's maybe leave that for later. It's actually a pretty legit film. It's, it, I enjoyed it. I laughed. In terms of fucking... Sh- like, it's, it's post-frat comedy because they're now working men. But this was almost pre-frat comedy in terms of like... They were, it was, it's almost like an, it's an intervention. It's like, you're going to go on and become <laughs> scumbag frat boys. Uh, but here, the ladies are going to teach you how to be decent for a bit. Mm. And they are ultimately nice. Let's see nice. if it sticks, shall we? Like um, the, the, the bland kid who's going out with Tara Reid, mm. <sighs> phones his brother, played by Casey Affleck, asking him for advice. And he gets led to... The Bible, which is a book, originally a, a, a Dutch sex manual that has been added to over the years by boys who work at the, who, who, who occupy that school. And so it's this giant scrapbook of tips for how to get a girl off. And I'm like, if only boys were this creative, dedicated, diligent, literate, trustworthy, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, and but, uh, effectively, this boy learns cunnilingus from this because there was no internet. There is kind of an internet. And when I say kind of, I mean, one of the sex things that happens maybe the most notorious after the pie fucking because it's all got to happen to Jim. He's trying to get with Shannon Elizabeth, a very nice uh, exchange student named Nadia. He lures her to her, his house so that she can change whilst setting up a webcam in his bedroom and then bolting to his friend's house so that they can see her on this postage stamp sized grainy ass buffering constantly two pixels wide fucking geo cities. It's not- 
much better than the cable channel you're not paying for. Video. And <coughs> this scene sort of, it, it occupies an uncanny valley between, oh my God, you disgusting sleazy shits, and, oh, it's kind of sweet how enamoured you are of the female form. But that doesn't last for long because th- this webcast now has been sent to the entire goddamn school, so everyone's watching Nadia, who finds some of Jim's porn and starts jacking it, and Jim runs back to, uh, under pressure from his friends, lend a hand, and Nadia, again to the film's credit, kind of takes control of the situation, completely oblivious to the camera, but she's like, right, Jim, you've seen me, so now i got to see you. Now you got to dance for me. So Jim kind of performs and does this embarrassing little dance strip routine and then jizzes in his pants twice after it, it actually kind of get, does get her interested in him and, and she starts to uh, get a little closer to him. We've all met premature Peter. I think a, a better handling of this was uh, another film with Natasha Leon, uh, Detroit Rock City, which also has some sleazy fucking shit in it, by the way. I just lost my virginity in a confession booth. Lord have mercy. That kid's also doing Nick Cage. <laughs> he is. I don't know why. I think maybe just The Rock, Conair, and Face Off all came out. So all like a, a percentage of boys were like, "I'm going to be Nick Cage from now on." <laughs> There's also the this one time at band camp, which was is so memetic that if anyone ever says to someone of our age group of if you're in your forties, maybe your late thirties, this one time, your brain will go at band camp. <laughs> Which, again, that comes down to Alison Hannigan's delivery. And it was so funny. And she's playing social camouflage the whole way through this and then turns out to be extremely sexually independent and quite domineering. Uh, and Which, you know, is, is a relief. And the fact that the boys are just along for the ride becomes more about what the girls can get out of this situation by reaching them mm-hmm. in different ways. Yeah. The, uh, the idea that sex is a mutually pleasurable experience is much healthier than other stuff. Like, we're, we're listening to a We Hate Movies right now from one of our favourites called Cyber Seduction, His Secret Life. Jeremy Sumter, the kid who played Peter Pan in the quite good 2003 film with that, that I, I think probably my favourite Peter Pan adaptation, Hello to Jason Isaacs as Captain Hook. Pan, you're pink. He becomes addicted to... Porn, question mark? Because this is a fucking Lifetime movie. You know, we're, we're going to do it at some other point. We are going to cover this fucking awful film because it's worth talking about. I know We Hate Movies do Lifetime quite a lot. They have a whole sub-show on it called Once in a Lifetime. But and I'll come back to this. Lifetime movies are what I would like to call softcore horror for mums. I'll let that percolate for a while. Okay. So American Pie 1... In On the whole, it made us laugh too much to have just become dated crap. Mm. Yeah. There, there, are, there are moments in it which are definitely yikes. However, I think it subverts enough that it's not just a template frat mm. comedy. But to watch it, you need to look at it as an evolutionary point between Revenge of the Nerds and Blockers. Like, mm. we were getting there. Yeah. We weren't there but yet. there was a lot more work to do. Blockers is the one everyone should have seen, and no one fucking did. You know that, uh, oh, they should have done the movie about the girls the next time. Mm-hmm. It's, called it's called Blockers. No fucker saw it. Yeah. It's way better. But I will say the reason that I've referenced Cyber Seduction is that movie is, appears to be of the mind where 
if sex enters your house, if your teenage son starts being interested in sex, that is a pollution of your family. You need to eradicate this, mums. Don't let your boy think about sex. That is so goddamn fucking naive to extremists and so unhealthy. Yo, Peterson, heard you made all state. Thanks. The best freestyler in the whole damn state. You know what you need? A little bit of Monica. <laughs> I was looking at pornography. Is that what you guys want to hear? It's garbage, Justin. I don't want it in my house. What's happened to you? Kelly Lynch. Justin, you're addicted. You can't stop. Jeremy Sumter. Get the hell away from me. In a lifetime original movie, Cyber Seduction. Premieres in three weeks, 9 p.m. Monday, June 20th. Only on Lifetime. Show a teenage boy pornography and his mind will turn to thoughts of sex. Show a teenage boy a love wrench, wrench and his mind will turn to thoughts of sex. Put a penny in the jar. Eugene Levy may be embarrassing as fuck when he's like, oh, I'm just gonna show you, this This is Hustler, and uh, and uh, they've uh, kind of uh, uh, zeroed in more on the whole uh, uh, crotch area. At least he's trying with Jim. He's trying to like sort of like, guide his confused boy mm. through the wilderness. Very particularly, he approaches his son with with such a total lack of judgment. Yeah. Like, occasionally there is a, well, Jim, you appear to have made a bit of an idiot of yourself at this point, mm. but he is not judgmental of anything. He is so soft Even the pie fucking! It. Even the pie, and he's like, let's just not tell you yeah. about that. Your uncle Frank, he flogs the monster like three times a day. <laughs> Like, he's like, Jim, put it in perspective. You're twisted, but not so twisted. You're a guy. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, you'll be okay. And that's much healthier than this, like, the cyber seductions, like, you just need to erase sex from your boy's thoughts. That's, that urine fucking psychopath territory at this point. Even if they're devoutly religious and waiting until marriage, they're still going to be curious. Even the Amish have Rumspringer, where these teenage Mennonites go out on a rager and then decide if they want to go back. Within the Amish community, it is seen as a way for people to explore their faith. Some Amish view Rumspringer as a vaccination against the outside world. Dude, if the Amish are behind vaccination, how can you be anti-vax right now? Others see it as a test. This is from the popular website AmishOutlaws.com. Rumspringer is, in my words, a test of faith, but not necessarily a test to be failed or passed. I would have failed the test, but my beliefs are still strong. How are the Pennsylvania Dutch more mentally bolted down, more reasonable and more willing to look facts in the face than mums who watch Lifetime? It's not a phase, mum. I bone. I'm just kidding. My mum would think these ladies were very silly. Anyway, American Pie 2. Ah, the old college campus. Seems like just yesterday my dad picked me up after my first year at college. And he said, now, you're a man. And today I get to say the same thing to my son. Turn over. Turn yeah. Where's my big guy? Oh, no. Hey! Oh! Oh! Dad. Jim, oh, we Dad. got here a little early. Dad. Would you? Oh my God! Mom. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, Daddy. Uh, Daddy. I'm Jim's dad. Uh, this must be uh, your daughter here. That's, uh, I didn't get her name, but hopefully my son did. They said they'd be friends forever. It's different time, baby. Now, after a year apart... Ah, the one that got away, huh, son? You two made quite the handsome couple on the internet. 
was brought up at a PTA meeting. They're about to learn that sometimes, in order to move forward, you've got to go back. Things are changing. Everything is. Who wants me to touch Amber? Oh, yeah! You guys first. What? You don't touch, we don't touch. That's right. You gotta kiss. Yeah! Oh! Universal Pictures presents This one time at band camp That's a lot of flutes A story about holding on to the things that are dear to us She's on the phone, it's long distance Nadia, Nadia What? New York She's on Hello Don't ride the subway after midnight Okay Letting go of the things that hold us back I don't want to be this awkward, bumbling dork I could give you some pointers Okay, now does direction matter? Like clockwise, counterclockwise Just gotta find the right girl, Jimbo brings it all together and never forgetting oh my god how oh my god hey what's going on in here that some bonds are forever yeah i kind of uh super glued myself to uh myself american pie 2 jim this happens to the best of us Okay, American Pie 2, one of the worst kinds of sequels. Not one of the worst sequels, one of the worst kinds of sequels. And that is the artistic bankruptcy of retreading the first movie, so basically doing the same beats as the first movie, and in order to achieve this, the writers must ignore and indeed walk back the progress made by the leads in the third act of the original movie, which, if you recall, was the only aspect that made that first American Pie not unbearable. Like, we were taken by... There's a... The, there's a juxtaposition of the scene where Oz and Heather are like, I think we're in love, dude. And like, it's, this is Mena Savari and Chris Klein. Like, their relationship is sort of blossoming outwards and they're probably going to try to carry on because they genuinely see something in each other. And that is juxtaposed directly shooting back and forth between Kevin and Vicky, where uh, Kevin's like, you know, the whole point that Kevin went through was that Vicky wanted to hear the words, I love you. And Kevin said... And I actually kind of stand by him on this one. I don't want to say I love you to get you into bed. I want, when I say I love you, to, I want it to mean it. So when they've actually slept together and she's lost her virginity, and I think so has he at this point, he says, I love you, and he means it. And she gets this pained look in her eyes as she realizes that they are finishing. Like, that, her reason to sleep with him and to lose her virginity to someone she does genuinely care about was so that she could enter college feeling like that bridge had been crossed. And, and she... also there was, there was an element of, and this I, I am completely behind, that whether love is involved or not, she wanted her first time to be with somebody she trusted rather yeah. than some random stranger that she picked up in a bar. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you juxtapose, I think we're going somewhere with this, to it's over, honey. Uh, and it's... It, 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 I can actually feel kind of both types of, of pain. It, uh, and, uh, you know, because falling for someone is painful. It's, it, it was melancholy, and that was well done. And they are barely in this second one. I, I wrote down a list of things that they do with the main characters. Kevin and Vicky are now friends, and she's visiting at one point at the end of the film uh, so that they can have a 
be in like so they can all be in a party and well, she's all... like this is my new boyfriend and he's like Ugh. and then he says hey how's it going sorry I was an asshole earlier that's all that they take up in the whole film there is a bit at the beginning that kind of feeds into this so they've it's all the setup back... and then the payoff yeah they've all come back home for the summer and they meet up at a party at the beginning of the summer mm. and they are Essentially, and Stifler gets peed on because yes, he does. Stifler must experience something horrible each movie and involving bodily fluids. Yes, yep. so so it was jizz in the first one, we in the second one. Guess what's coming for the third one, folks? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so Kevin is trying to convince Vicky that he's fine and he's moved on by telling her that he slept with three different girls, and Vicky is trying to. Um, I think she says she slept with three guys as well. It's it's all sort of this, let's try and convince each other that we made the right decision in breaking up and there's this sort of question mark over it. Is Kevin really over her? This is sounds a really lot more him? involved than it actually is. It's, it's, it's seconds. The amount of time they have this conversation is less time than we've talked about it. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and there's a, there's a neat bit where... Uh, the, it's kind of a when Harry met Sally moment, and I'm being very fucking charitable with that, where um, Kevin's talking to, I think, Oz, maybe Stifler? Mm. And um, they the uh, this is how unmemorable the scenes and interactions are. And his male friend tells him, whenever a girl says, I've slept with three men, she means nine. You have to multiply it by three. And then it cuts to Vicky and Jessica's mum still in her daughter's body. Uh, discussing, he says he slept with three women, and Jessica's like, You're, you divide it by three. If he slept with, she says he slept with three, it's one, maybe none. And it's like, women say this, and men say this, and it's like, ah, that's a horrible double standard, isn't it? Let's not explore that. And they move the fuck on immediately. It's done as a punchline, as opposed to a, this is wrong. Yeah. This is a weird way to hold women and men in very opposite ends of the sexual spectrum. It's also a very weird stereotype, and I can remember watching this back in 2000 and whenever mm. it came out, and thinking, well, that's bizarre. I've never heard that. Mm. Also, if you uh, flipped... Interestingly, Stifler's mom to Stifler's dad mm -hmm. and had Stifler's dad played by Jason Bateman in the original film. And he's there and say, I don't know, Heather, the naive virginal singer played by Mena Suvari, is on her own going stag to this party and winds up in, in uh, a back room. And Stifler's dad's there and Stifler's dad comes on to Mena Suvari. Oh, hang on. I've just realized what that movie is. She's seduced by him. Suddenly that's really fucking gross. And Jason Bateman's really fucking gross. But because of the gender flip... And it's this cougar mom uh, seducing a young teenage man because so many, you know, because that's an acceptable direction for that to go in. Mm. They And they also start fucking playing Mrs. Robinson because it's like, it happened in The Graduate, so it must be fine now. That was a toxic fucking relationship in The Graduate. It wasn't a good it's thing. It's not presented as a healthy thing in The Graduate. Yeah. And that was then. And this is coming from a guy who, as a teenager, and probably still now, yes, yeah, still now, fantasized about being seduced by an older, very assertive woman. It's very much all to do with societal and real-life power dynamics. So yeah, when you reverse it, ugh. They do kind of take that and, and very superficially examine the fact that that has on some level fucked Finch up. It has. And Finch spends 
Every time we see him in this, he's trying to move on. He gets into Tantra. He does a lot of yoga and he wants to be able to uh, think about other women. But he keeps objectifying uh, Stifler's mom as this perfect goddess that he was with that one time. And then at the end, she turns up and he's like, I've moved on. Ah, fuck it. And then jumps into the car and they fuck and she shouts at him, oh, call me Stifler's mom. And it's like, whoa, that's really weird. Like... Are you doing this to get revenge on the son you hate? Because you know this upsets him. So Finch makes no progress. Kevin he barely takes some makes baby any progress. Steps and then goes backwards. Oz and Heather are trying to have phone sex. It's a bit awkward and they give up. This happens twice. Yeah. That's it. That's all they do in this second one. This should be called Jim and Suddenly Stifler. <laughs> American Pie 2, Jim. Because all the stuff that happens in the movie happens to Jim. And that's fine. The writers clearly realised, like, of the guys we've got, Jason Biggs is naturally funny and pretty damn good at physical comedy. He's also lovable. The rest of the guys, not so much, especially Finch. Mm. He's a fucking creep. And his Nick Cage impersonation is actually kind of wears you and is his weird little fish mouth. He, yeah, he could have been played by Paul Dano. Only if somebody beats him up. Yeah, I was going to say, Stifler's <laughs> mom's been had, Eli, you boy. I drink your Stifler's mom. Uh, ooh. So Jim is being visited by Nadia, who we didn't mention this. She gets sent home. We said she was an exchange student. After the shenanigans uh, with the, uh, you know, broadcasting her to fucking Blink-182 are sitting watching. Like, they're playing themselves with a monkey. Watching... Do they live in this area? I mean... They're what? The, it would appear so. They're, like... There's a weird juxtaposition of Jim's running from house to house while fucking Blink-182 are playing and Blink-182 are watching him. When, oh, my God. I can only assume that at least one member of Blink-182 wanted to graduate high school, went to Jim's high school, and the rest of the group moved into the house with him so that they could keep making music while he was The fact it. that you look like a fucking 44-year-old man. Indeed. Okay, so yeah, Jim is getting visited by Nadia, who was sent home after the internet incident and is now coming back to America and it's just a way of getting Shell and Elizabeth to go we have sex yeah and she's like born sexy yesterday like everything about her is just like she's really into sex she understands her own body um, but she's not like she, mature thinking is not does not come in there possibly because English is not being her first language or something like that but like she's not a woman mm. she's a, a sex pot yes she is a sex pot composed of various assorted Eastern European and Scandinavian stereotypes, stereotypes. Mm. it's not Shannon Elizabeth's fault she's handed this shit she's like oh I guess the first one did kind of help my career there's one bit in the first one by the way where she's looking at herself in the mirror looking at her tummy and sort of Tapping it like, oh, I'm getting so fat. And it's like, fucking hell, you look like you have an eating disorder. Please, don't worry about it. Are we going to explore how this opens up the concept of girls and body image? Hell no. No. So Jim goes to band camp to be coached in sex by Michelle because he's like, oh, God, did I suck? And Michelle's like, oh, yeah, you sucked. One thing I kind of liked here is that Michelle is still the Michelle we knew throughout the whole of America. And it was so funny. Like, she's got that openness still. It's like, that wasn't an act. She wasn't like, I'm going to nail this guy. Like, she might have been, like, in the background, but, like, the version of herself that she put forth to Jim was her, mm. which I really like. And Alison Hannigan is super sweet, and obviously they're setting it up for, like, Jim's going, oh, you've got to teach me how to be 
sexy for this sex pot, and Alison's like, well, I guess I'll just be like a really quite well-rounded character and show you how, and it's like, dude, he's got Heather. That's better for you. And it's right here. Oh, it turned out that my hideously unattractive best friend, Boof, was actually in love with me all along, and when she takes off her glasses, she's amazing. I just needed to realise that. It's that scenario. Mm. And then, while he's at band camp, hmm, Jim gets mistaken for a... special kid. Heavy quotes. And he's given a trombone and asked to perform in front of a live audience. And he does. And he just kind of goes... And Jason Biggs flails around. And at the end of his act, he yells out, And I've got enormous balls! And I'm like, that's so weirdly specific for him to shout that. Then Jim glues his hand to his dick. Because he's trying to practice wanking or something. And then, because he kicked a lamp and he was crazy gluing it, he then put the crazy glue right next to the the hand cream, and they're both in identical size giant toothpaste tubes. And you pointed out, super glue comes in tiny little, tiny things. This is a giant tube of super glue. But fuck it, whatever, whatever, just to get a gag. And he, uh, it's it's one hand's glued to his dick, the other hand's glued to his a porno tape, and he's like, oh, what am I gonna do? And at no point does he just go. Kevin! Kevin! Trusted, slightly more mature than most of the rest of them. Like, Finch would overthink things, Oz would underthink things, but Kevin, you could probably get me some paint thinner. He doesn't ask for help, and so it's a whole big fracas. It's just the beginning of There's Something About Mary, when he gets his fucking balls and, and his franks and beans stuck in his uh, uh, zipper. Because that was released probably while American Pie 1 was in production, and they didn't realize quite how much, like, that's gonna be a huge deal. And when I say huge deal, I mean that after a period of hibernation since the early 80s, when the frat comedies, like like I said, Porky's and Revenge of the Nerds kind of ran their course, suddenly the fucking genie was out of the bottle. Early millennials were reaching frat age and a certain percentage of the guys, and they were guys, developed a taste for this kind of tasteless filmmaking. Quite apart from the four American Pies that we are covering on this show, there was Van Wilder Party Liaison with Ryan Reynolds, Van Wilder The Rise of Taj, Van Wilder Freshman Year that was a prequel, Dude Where's My Car, Can't Hardly Wait, Going Greek, 40 Days and 40 Nights, Road Trip, Old School, Accepted, Sorority Boys, Frat Party, Freshman Orientation, The House Bunny, Monsters University, It Counts, Loser, which is good, The Girl Next Door, which is the best of them, and of course the straight-to-DVD spin-offs, American Pie Presents The Naked Mile, American Pie Presents Bandcamp, American Pie Presents Beta House, American Pie Presents The Book of Love and American Pie Presents Girls Rules, which was released as late as 2020. You want to watch me in action? Yeah, man. I think you need your balls reattached. Hey, keep it down, dude. What the fuck are you doing here? These vocal jazz girls are hot. Damn shit. Ask them questions and listen to what they have to say and shit. Sounds like a lot of work. Good God. Good fucking God. They had exhausted this by the end of the first American Pie movie by effectively challenging the frat boy mentality of, hey, you guys really need to grow up, and you know who can help you? Ladies. Just come to them, be honest, be vulnerable, they'll wipe the crust out of your eyes and kind of set you on the right track. They also don't know everything, but together, you can work shit out. Or guys. You know what? 
or, 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 or you know, just other people who are the kind of people you're attracted to and might share similar sensitivities. There is five of them. Statistically, one of them's going to be gay. Are we counting Stifler as one of the five now? Yeah. Because that's the thing. He wasn't one of the four to begin with, no, but wasn't. clearly people liked him in the first one. Him being the butt of the jokes was funny. Him being there because Stifler's mom was funny. So suddenly Sean William Scott is there as one of the major guys. Mm. Now... They have to invite Stifler along on this lake house trip. For reasons. For reasons. They actually have a conversation in which they discuss why they have to invite Stifler. I've forgotten what the reason was. Why it's do we have to invite Stifler? <laughs> I couldn't hear it because of the fucking sheer deluge of some 41 in this movie. The amount of some 41. While we're here, by I'm the way. I'm guessing it's got something to do with they can't afford it between the four of them, so they need a fifth. I... <laughs> I'm going to get Sharon to do a reading from the book of Sum 41. Remember uh, on um, That Awful Sound, mm. they used to read the lyrics in a very serious, straight way? Okay. I'd like you to, to read this, and we'll just take the best of it, of it and uh, put it in the thing. Okay. This is the lyrics to Fat Lip, one of their big hits. Sum 41, Blink 182, everybody had to have a number in their name back then. Mm -hmm. Okay. Third Eye Blind, Modest Mouse. <laughs> I don't know. And all the others. Okay. Storming through the party like my name was El Nino, when I'm hanging out drinking in the back of an El Camino. As a kid, was a skid, and no one knew me by name. Trashed my own house party because no one came. I know I'm not the one you thought you knew back in high school. Never going, never showing up when we had to. Attention that we crave, don't tell us to behave. I'm sick of always hearing, act your age. I don't want to waste my time, become another casualty of society. I'll never fall in line, become another victim of your conformity and back down. My God, so that's this, punk. I was going to say, is this what we had before Lincoln Park? No, it was, this, it was adjacent to Lincoln oh, Park. Oh, okay. New metal and pop I punk I was too busy listening together. to Lincoln Park to really pay yeah. much attention to this one. Uh, because you don't know us at all, we laugh when old people fall. That's lovely. But what would you expect with a conscience so small? Heavy metal and mullets, it's how we were raised. You were not raised on heavy metal. Dude. Maiden and priest were the gods that we praised. Okay, fair enough. Because have it, we like having fun at other people's expense and cutting people is just a minor offence. Then it's none of your concern. I guess I'll never learn. I'm sick of being told to wait my turn. What are you, three? <laughs> I don't want to... Mentally, waste. yes. These are toddlers. <laughs> well, I'm a no good Nick, lower middle class brat, backpacked and I don't give a shit about nothing. You'd be standing on the corner taking all that kerfuffing. But you don't make sense from all the gas you be huffing. I'm going to make this a regular thing. If the egg don't stain, you'll be ringing off the hook. You're on the hit list wanted in the telephone book. I like songs with distortion to drink in proportion. The doctor said my mom should have had an abortion. It's notable. That's a horrible line. In the music video for this, they shout that line and then there's a horrible pause where they all go, yeah, we went there. And they're like going into the camera and then a sheepish return to the chorus. Mm. It's so awkward. It's like they shouted, the doctor said my mom should have had an abortion. And the entire party went quiet and they went, Nevertheless, in my dress for the occasion, it's number 32. They begin the video shouting this rap a cappella at a couple of Asian grocery store clerks who do not look impressed. It's like jackass. Expense and cutting people down 
Important to note while I'm criticising these little toss pots, the actual Johnny Rotten voted for Trump. My god, that's punk. I mean, at least they're pro choice. Okay, so that was Fat Lit by Sum 41. Expect that song and 72 others in American Pie 2. Good gravy! The lesbians. Mm. The lesbian scene. Sharon, I'm gonna need you to block this and, and explain what the fuck happens to make this happen. Because it's it's doing that thing where they're so desperate for the gag to happen that they stretch reality until it goes way beyond breaking point. Yeah, okay. So in order to fund their summer holiday in the lake house, the boys have taken a job with a, a kind of a handyman company they um go out and do various odd jobs for people and one of the jobs that they're assigned is to go and paint a house and the house that they are assigned to paint is next door to a house where two women live and they see these two women leave the house hand in hand i think being that's, affectionate that's with what, each other yeah that's what triggers it off i think and Stifler leaps to the assumption that they are lesbians, uh, which I think Finch is very quick to point out that two women holding hands does not indicate that at all. What are you on? But Stifler being Stifler pursues this particular line of thought and decides to break into their house to try and get proof that his theory is correct. He finds a dildo in the drawer of one of them. They have a Melissa Etheridge poster on the wall. I spent the whole time with this dildo gag being like, okay, so when are they going to mention that my mom's dildo was in this drawer that he mm. stole? And then you see the mom, and she's a total hound. And then Stiff was like, oh, I put this thing in my mouth. Oh. That does not happen. That does not happen. But... Uh, but that's the kind of joke I was waiting on. It doesn't actually reach that level of, uh, like... Not quite, no. Not quite as denigrating to women as that. No. But still... You can you can tell that the way this plays out, they think it's vaguely empowering and let's turn it back on the boys. But honestly, the degree of casual homophobia that creeps into this one is ridiculous. So Specifically from Stifler. Stifler's like, oh, I'm not going to hang around with you homos. He's the one who ends up really leaning into it in the end. But again... Because well, he's desperate is the thing. It comes back to this idea that gay girls is fine as long as they're doing it for performative reasons. Yeah. Men touching each other even vaguely is disgusting and hideous and shouldn't happen. So the setup is they the, the, the lesbians come home while they're snooping around the house. They all hide in the closet. Then the lesbians come in and go, hey, what happened to my dildo? Mm. Or is it, no, like, there's a one dildo in this says, drawer. Yeah, one of them says, uh, 
they've dropped the dildo in one the other one's room and the in one the whom it belongs to finds it and says why is my dildo in your room indicating that they don't share it and therefore are probably not a couple they don't sleep in the same mm. room then all the boys burst out of the cupboard and rather than screaming calling the police or uh, running away the girls are like what are you boys well, doing because they they hear them they mm. hear a noise and they're like shit Go and call 911. And that's the point at which the boys leap out of the closet and go, leap out of the closet, you see. Uh, and, oh, uh, I don't think, the think they knew that. And, um, and go, no, 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 don't call the police. It's just us. We didn't do anything wrong. Stifler broke in because he was trying to prove that you're lesbians. And we came after him to get him out of the house. We're so sorry. Ugh. We'll leave. And the girls who are in their underwear at this point, don't the underwears. Ask, decide to. Put on a bit of, them? By putting on a bit of a lesbo show. Um, by Heavy quotations. Like, they, they play into the whole, oh, you thought we were lesbians. Well, guess what? We are. But we will do things for you to watch if you do things for us to watch. So it's like, we'll kiss and then you kiss each other. And then we'll touch each other and then you... or No, yeah. the other way around. Stifler, you, you grab to... his butt. Yeah. Like, full open claw hands. So this goes back and forth. It's and going back and forth. And again, like, they keep asking... Stifler is in the middle of the human centipede here. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. That's gay. And then it's like, oh, just just end. Please just, end this scene. And somehow, because they're on walkie-talkies, the walkie-talkies well, get broadcast to the whole nation. They have... They have um, Kevin and Chris are still outside and they have walkie Talkies between them, and they like Stifler's been reporting on his progress back to. This them. is a fucking panty raid, by the Somehow, way. Yeah, After totally the is. end of the first American Pie, they're doing a fucking panty raid. Yeah. Somehow, the frequency that their walkie talkies on is the same frequency as the kids across the road, the local. Uh, burger sheriff's joint. office <laughs> yeah. um, and and the local burger joint and they're all listening in to this oh, bit of a lesbo show yeah. uh, audio play porn mm. which by the way basically says that all men are pigs all of these guys no matter what their age they're just pigs and it's like oh, we're listening oh, I don't know I mean, I'd, if, I, if, if that came over my radio, I'd probably go, okay, so what's this? It but also the s- gag is that they're all pigs. It also says that the emergency services work on the same frequencies as kids' toy walkie-talkies, which no. No, they don't. No, but anyway. Your amazing that's, mind. It, that's beside the point. And I, I understand. But the joke doesn't I have a fucking punchline. I get it. The punchline is eventually after b- being agonising for ages, like, Stifler's like, I've got to take my dick out. And yeah. then the guys run out of there going, I am not touching that thing. It's like, does Stifler have a really ugly dick? But the... Um, is it too big or too small? Or does it... Is it... Does it have horns... Can we explore that? No. Who knows? What's the, what's the dick action going on down there? I understand that the point of the joke is, isn't it ridiculous that they are so cringy of touching each other? I get that. I get that. That doesn't necessarily mean it is at all comfortable watching it play out. Yeah. So remember when I said Jim glues his hand to his dick? I didn't say the moment Jim glues his hand to his dick... The cover version of uh, Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal by pop-punk band Alien Ant Farm kicks in and we get the whole thing while Jim's running around the place. Oh my god. And it's like, this is a time tunnel, but it's back to a time where you're like, oh, I don't want to be here. Not the early 2000s. Like, even the 2020s, they fucking suck, but this place sucks. And there are, right, there are nods in this to uh, these things that are put up front as 
slapstick gags for everybody to laugh at. It, it's actually only a certain group of people who would find this hilariously funny. So Jim attempts to get to the paint thinner that's outside the house by going out onto the balcony. There is a really and great bit of physical comedy when Biggs has got the tape tied to his ha- attached to his hand, his other hand to his dick, and he's trying to use the phone by holding the remote control for the TV in his mouth. And it just it cuts to this. Like, we don't see him wrangling it together, but just the desperation he's entered into to call 911 mm. to get, like, don't send an ambulance, what can I use? Like, just, again, his physical comedy is pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, but a neighbour sees him naked out on the balcony yeah. and calls the police. The police turn up, the ambulance turns up, and they're, they're all, everybody at this point is being very sympathetic. He was masturbating. It's that bit from the, the song about Mary. Yes, I know. And Stifler wants to get in the ambulance with him so that he can continue to laugh. And the paramedic is just very gently, no, sir, this is not a funny situation. You need to back away. Mm. And so, the, the again, they clearly know Stifler's an idiot. And if you're laughing along with Stifler... You're a terrible you're probably person. probably an idiot too. But that all of but those... But they're still leaning into the jokes. They want to have their cake and eat it. All of those movies that I mentioned are made for Stifler. Mm. With a couple of exceptions. Like, The Girl Next Door is definitely more for Jim. Mm. And obviously, Monsters uh, University. I don't even know who that's for. Because, like, what... I was like, we're going to make a frat comedy. Uh-huh. For kids. Nah... Yeah, and particularly consider the age of those kids. The odds of you ever get to, get to go and do this yeah. are slim at this point. Yeah. I write erotic novels for children. <laughs> what? They're wildly unpopular. Oh my God. And then, and again, they have this whole uh, Jim's dad... Oh yeah, Eugene Levy's lovely at this and, point. And again, they have this whole... Uh, thing of him being incredibly supportive, incredibly non-judgmental. Somebody, an old lady in the hospital, because Jim has a porn tape that is still at this point glued to his hand, that mm. his hand slipped out from underneath the blanket so everybody can see that it's a, a porn note. I mean, it's just words, lady. Just turn the other way, for goodness sake. It's backdoor slaps nine. She's sort of, it's a, that tape is offensive to me. Can you, like, put it down? And mm. obviously he can't because it's glued to his hand. But his dad immediately leaps to his defence. So you you still have this whole idea that, that despite everything that happens to Jim and makes him feel like his life is on the downslope, this support and the belief that his parents have in him actually carries him through all of these unpleasant scenarios and lead him to a place where he is worthy of having a relationship that he's good for it. Like I said, this, healthy. Is, this is the gym show. Mm. And that's fine. because They, they, they realise they couldn't really develop the other characters. Mm. They, the rest of them are just there to provide gags. Yeah. I, honestly... But it also leaves the women ridiculously underserved because they does. could have stepped forward for this It one. really does. And I did say they to They didn't you until 2020. The, I, I understand that they kind of... They reached the end of their exhalation with Kevin and Vicky... That okay, they were childhood sweethearts. They've now broken up. We literally have no idea what to do with them now. Hmm. So um, Kevin yeah, becomes a bit more mature. Yeah, basically. And Vicky's like, "Oh, that's nice." Okay. Yeah, exactly. Kevin specifically and that's says, "The end of that story." Because uh, she, she's like, "I don't even know what we're going to carry on. Like, how are we going to even be like this if you can't let me go?" And he's like, "I would far rather be friends with you than never speak to you Not again." Not have you in my life. And at it's all, a, it's yeah. a lovely little sentiment. Mm. It's brief. 
but it's there. Absolutely. And it's a step forward. But it doesn't leave a lot of room for then let's explore their uh, relationship as it goes forward mm. because the, their relationship as it goes forward is more and more space mm. comes in between them and that is healthy. Plus both of them are characterised purely by the relationship with each other. They don't have anything else going on. Exactly. Um, then the the relationship between Heather and Chris, I said to you, the fact that they've leapt them to this... Heather has gone off to do to spend summer in Europe, I think. She's mm-hmm. in Spain. And so this is why the phone sex thing comes about, because it's the only way that they can maintain contact between them. They touch on it very briefly a couple of times to say it's happening, but they don't really explore it. And ultimately, the, the development of that relationship, they're looking at issues that usually come about further into a long-term relationship. How do we keep things spicy? How do we keep our the physical side of our relationship going when life, the universe and everything makes that tricky? And if they I, I did at one point think if they've leapt to this and the it's really awkward for us to do this and other people keep getting in the way and they're what 18 19 because they've just started college, that does not have long-term markers on it. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, after the dick gluing, Jim requires Michelle to pretend to be his girlfriend while Nadia, who suddenly turned up early, is staying as his dick heals because it's going to take a long while. Mm. And this precipitates... I was like, how are they going to get him and Michelle together? They don't really have anything in common. They've not really spent any time together. And then it's the second big montage of this movie because the first one was like Finchy doing... Tantra and Jim kicking a lamp. That's not. That doesn't warrant a fucking montage. But the uh, the the second montage is him and Michelle spending a lot of time together, running on the beach, just just being friends and and hanging out. And Shannon Elizabeth is what, do, like, just kicking her heels at this stage, basically, yeah, feeling like a third wheel. He says, you know, feel free to stay here, but I'm now seeing Michelle, so I can't leap mm. into bed with you because you've turned up. And then Michelle has to pretend to break up with him, uh, walking out screaming that uh, he's too good at sex and uh, she needs to shower. Mm. And I thought, like, the way you do this is you show um, Alison Hannigan's at performing misgivings during the montage where it's like, it's clear she's starting to really like Jim. And then when after she breaks up with him, it's like, ha, 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 she talked about fucking in the ass. And then she goes out to her car and goes, ha, ha. And then her face falls and she really looks upset. Like, oh, my God, I... I you know, like, I actually feel like I had something there and he can't see it and, and he, she's Boof mm. from uh, Team Wolf. It's, again, she's got other stuff going on at least. She's got band camp. Like, she's got a, a gag there. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, like, she, like they save the her slight misgivings and a slightly r- wrinkled brow for that going to the car. It does happen just in a less intense way because they don't want you to think or feel that intensely at this point. Or at all, frankly, from from now on. But then uh, at the party when uh, his dick is now healed and he could have Nadia, Jim runs to band camp and, uh, you know, kind of breaks up Alison's lovely flute set by going on the trombone. As opposed to, like, you do the way that you do that joke is he's just there in the front row with the trombone and she sees him and kind of, like, nudge, like, because she was amused by the whole tromboning before, you know, one assumes she's planning on giving him a rusty trombone. And, um, like, she could nod at him in a kind of, come on, let's do a duet. Like, you do the crazy thing and fucking break up my set. Instead, he's like, I'm not giving you the option, lady. I am going to fuck up your recital. And it's like, oh, that's sweet, but well, really poorly considered. So, Stifler's brought 
his horrible brother to the party. And the boy's like, oh yeah, gonna get me some pussy. And it's, he has learned all the wrong lessons from his shit brother. And then his shit brother puts him on cop watch, so the kid's not big. You know, the kid keeps just wandering over to people in the party going, you have lovely eyes. Oh, that's sweet of you. Wanna fuck? Ugh. Uh, this poor fucking kid. Who was Hogarth in the Iron Giant, by the way? I knew I recognised him from somewhere. I kept thinking, it's not Tommy Tomasino. He's too old. Mm. Uh, too young, even. Yeah, Tommy Tomasino was only just in The Sixth Sense at this yeah. point. Um but then again, the, the Iron Giant was released at the same time as The Sixth Sense. So, but like when he enters the house, he shouts, fuckers, fuckers, fuckers. So the viewers can remember. Oh, that's that Oh, kid. that's that kid who yelled, fuckers, fuckers, he fuckers. He still looks the same. He's just a bit taller. Yeah. But here's the problem with this. He then goes out on Copwatch, ends up chatting with the lesbians who are now suddenly chatting with everyone on fucking CB radios like truckers. Oh, there's a trucker in that earlier scene as well. Mm. And then he turns up back at the party with a lesbian arm in arm. Like, he has pulled these two women and they go, we're not lesbians to Stifler. And Stifler goes, uh, I will kiss every guy in this party. I'll do whatever. I'll touch every ass if, if you'll let me fuck you. And the girls are like, oh, oh, you are charming. And then as a reward for being a sexist, misogynistic, homophobic prick, Stifler gets to have sex with two beautiful women. Yes, he The is. end. Mm. What the actual ass? Michelle Annabeth Flaherty. I love you together, didn't more than I could ever explain. Isn't that nice? Will you marry me? Yes. It's my son. She was getting married. Do you have the slightest idea of how important this is? We get to have a bachelor party. <laughs> this is awesome. Welcome. We've been expecting you. Jim. It's Michelle's parents are here. Oh, Jim, look what you did. Uh-oh. What about the dining Hair was just not an issue when I was dating. I keep messing up. These things keep happening to me. I promised you the wedding of your dreams, and I'm not gonna let anything ruin it. It's time for me to boom boom with the bridesmaids. This bed is on fire You're cordially invited. I'll meet you at the closet. To the event. This is so great. That brings generations together. Stifler? Granny. What? Focus! Focus! And the celebration... Look at the smile on my mother's face. Do you know how long she's been waiting for a day like this? That's as wholesome as American Pie. Marriage is not about animal lusting. It's deeper than that. American Wedding. The longer a marriage lasts, uh, the longer you can go uh, without sex. Okay, if you never mention that ever again, that'd be great. Okay, American Pie 3, The Wedding, where the poster quote proclaimed of Michelle, played by TV's Alison Hannigan, Jim's finally taking her up the aisle, brackets arsehole. It did not say brackets arsehole. Yeah, but it was implied. Yeah, I know. Okay, so... This... This one broke me at the cinema. I did not see the fourth one at the cinema. This one actually made me not want to... Like, there is a bit that we'll talk about where I actually considered it to be the death of modern cinema. Mm -hmm. And you know what? After rewatching it today, I was like, you know what? 
I was right. Like, cinema can be reborn, mm. but that was its death knell. That was the point where it died, or at least comedy died. Yes. It was the 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 drain where comedy... It was the grave that comedy fell into and just rotted. Yes. I have, I have two main points to make about this, which I think sum up why I find this series so frustrating and what epitomises what went wrong here in particular. Is it the tonal whiplash? Uh, it is the tonal whiplash, or at least that feeds into it. The thematic whiplash. Also feeds into it. The structural whiplash. Yes, okay. also feeds into it. Is it that it's very, very messy and it's crammed two different types of film together and they sit uneasily with one another? Correct. The, the, and one of them is a an okay version of itself and the other one is a really bad version of itself. Yeah, to, to sum it up, they, and I've said this before, they want to have the cake and eat it. They Oh, they eat the cake. Yes, they eat the cake. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the problem is that they want to subvert the toxicity that they clearly recognise in the humour that they are outlining, but they but. also want to be able to use that toxicity for humour purposes and have everybody laugh at it. They want their audience full of stifflers to be baying with laughter whilst learning a few things, but mostly baying with laughter. They want the half of their audience that are stifflers to be baying with laughter. They want the maybe the partners of that half or the, the people who aren't going to laugh at that to engage with the relationship drama part of it. Okay, okay. And hence the tonal whiplash and yeah. the structural whiplash yeah. because they are constantly slaloming backward and forward between the two. Yeah. Okay. So it begins in a restaurant where uh, Jim has decided to propose to Michelle and she goes under the table to start sucking him off because words happened. Mm -hmm. Just a few words happened in order to get her to do that. Then Eugene Levy comes and sits down whilst Jim is receiving a blowjob from his bride-to-be that he hasn't yet proposed to. I think maybe one of the best bits of the film is when Eugene Levy's talking, he's like, oh, you're going to pop the question. And then there's a bonk sound as Alison Hannigan's head hits the underside of the table from Grand whoa what <laughs> at that point that's a nice bit of like physical comedy any comedy where you have to kind of imagine some of it mm. is better than comedy where they show you all of it absolutely. and then leave it kind of hanging yeah absolutely and I do and they do do that do. a lot of times in this admire film. their restraint that they did not get Alison Hannigan to come out from under this table and wipe her mouth with the back of her hat fucking yikes yes either way Jim ends up standing up with his entire pants fall down that's the bit where this one jumps the Why shark. did she take his trousers off? I don't know. So, and then the restaurant's like, oh, disgusting. And then he proposes in a nice way. And then uh, you see that he's got a great big bonk on because she said yes. And it's like, you know Let what? Let the slaloming begin. You know what would have been funnier than that? Not, not seeing it. Not doing that. Not doing it, but not seeing it and just uh, having um, Eugene Levy going, oh, Alison, you've uh, made Jim so happy. And everyone else going, oh, my God. Like, just... Like, so you can imagine it. You Absolutely. don't have to fucking see his bouncy member. You don't. Anyway. I mean, uh, what you're going to find here is a clash between our sense of humour and their sense of humour. Because it's all relative, folks. But at the same time, a lot of people now are not putting on this type of movie to watch now in the 2020s and go, oh, oh. And I, honestly, people are like, where did romantic comedies go? 
what you're talking about there, that like we want the girls, let's face it, we want the girls to like this and the boys to like this. Romantic comedies were corrupted by this movement and it ended up kind of dropping into the embarrassing situations. Like sweet, embarrassing situations. Sweet, embarrassing situations. That's what romantic comedies became. Do you think fucking... When Harry Met Sally was really popular because Billy Crystal was like, oh, I was just trying to get this dog off and now it looks to my parents like I'm fucking this dog. The reason for this, I suspect, is that it is quicker, easier and more seductive to corrupt the romantic drama elements so that the uh, the people who prefer the comedy will mm. come and watch them, than it is to clean up the toxicity so that the people who like the romantic elements will watch I them. think another thing that happened is actually drama. Uh, the comedy dramas ended up leaning a little bit more on drama. So like Jesse and Celeste Forever, it's got Andy Samberg, this should be funny. And people were ending up sitting in the cinema going, why am I crying? <laughs> Trainwreck, for example, it looks like it's going to be hilarious, and it is... But it gets to you. And I think a lot of people actually got pissed off with going to the cinema and then being made to feel vulnerable. Mm. I could be wrong, but there's got to be other reasons why romantic comedies kind of subsided. It's not just everyone likes superhero movies. Mm. There's a reason why Illumination do gangbusters as the Pixar that won't make you feel anything too intensely. There is, of course, the glaring possibility that most romantic comedies are about a white guy and a white girl. It's real fucking white and heteronormative. And studios are like, will that sell now? Because we're not going to do a film with a Asian guy and a trans Puerto Rican lady. And it's funny, but it's not funny. And it's dramatic. And these are all unknown quantities. I think things just got too real. Chris Thorburn highlighted the perils of going back in the famed video tweet, Watching a Film from 2004. You've never seen sex times at Spring Break High. This was like my favorite film growing up. You are going to love it. I haven't watched it since I was like 15. Bro, you need to get out of the friend zone, and it's the bone zone. That's not aged well. <laughs> what are you, gay? What's up, homos? Y'all are acting like a bunch of queers. I mean, it was a different time. It was... We got a hidden camera in the girls' locker room. They don't suspect a thing. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> we can watch literally anything else. N no? Oh, okay. It's a black fraternity. We'll never get in. Guys, I got an idea. Right, but the joke is that you shouldn't do blackface like that. That's the joke. That makes it okay. That makes it okay, doesn't it? Hey, tell me I'm good. This spring break is dedicated to all the troops fighting for our freedom in Iraq. I don't remember the diarrhea scene lasting this long. She's the prom queen and she's passed out in your bed. You know what you gotta do. No, go back to the diarrhea. Go, go back to the diarrhea. Oh, hi kids. Room for one more? Whoa! I forgot the principal was Kevin Spacey. I can't believe the principal came to our high school sex party. He must be pretty cool. We've not heard this song in a while. And that's why women shitter last. What? Michelle, after this point, becomes Fiona in Shrek 2 or Mandy Moore in License to Wed, insofar as she tells Jim, I just want to have a nice, elegant wedding. And then Jim spends the rest of the movie trying to make that happen. And she's just the woman over there until a certain point, which is really important. 
But she's just like, Jim's trying to make her happy with this perfect wedding. There's also a sudden class divide. You noted this one. Do you want to explain yeah, that? Yeah, it's, it's fairly, fairly early on in the game. One of the points of the original movie is that Stifler's family is quite well off. Mm. They have, whether it's He gets to, to basically throw around the fact that he has a big house. He has a big house. Yeah. His mother has... And people a, put up with his shit because he throws big parties. Absolutely. They had a, a, a big house at the lake that his mother got in the divorce. And uh, Jim even makes the gag that they have been friends with Stifler this whole time because they knew this big party at the lake house was coming after prom and being friends with him meant that they would be able to the wages of sin well indeed but yeah the implication is that he has something that he can hold over the rest of his friends and that's why they hang out with him it adds a little bit of dimensionality to Stifler who is obviously a very lonely person deep down and is wildly overcompensating for something (laughs) one assumes so is his father but anyway that's beside the point here Stifler, having they've, they've all now graduated from college, except for apparently from Stifler who didn't go, and he has ended up with a job bouncing between assisting, coaching the high school sports teams. Yeah. You don't and, score until you score. It's driving, quoting the first movie. Absolutely. And driving the school bus. So he has taken a nosedive down that class divide. Yeah. I don't know whether his dad's cut him off or what. But also the... His dad, Jason Bateman, that I just made up. Well, indeed. The, the guys who are still hanging around, not so much Jim, who obviously is the focus of this movie, but a random throwaway line states that Finch has recently graduated from NYU and is clearly sort of hanging out with the upper echelons of, of New York society, or at least... Oh, yeah, scotch. Fine skirting scotch. around the edges of it, trying desperately to prove him himself and none of which we ever see for the record uh, and Kevin is in law school he literally just says you should come to law school with me I need the company apparently in the good late- idea seven years of incredibly expensive <laughs> law school Kevin has never indicated any interest in going to, to keep law school. Kevin company Kevin by the way is a is a he is a non-entity in this movie I was gonna say a sexy hat stand he's just he's a hat stand He's just there in he the is. movie. He has nothing to do. He has no reason to be there. For some reason, they couldn't or didn't get Chris Klein. Didn't know what they could do with it. But well, for some reason... Not just Chris Klein, but we'll come to that. <laughs> but, okay. the, but the thing, the other thing that attaches onto this is none of that really seems to mean anything because in one of the later movies, it turns out that Kevin has actually given up law school and become an architect. Easy. It's it's, it's just a case of we want them... I, I don't know whether it's that we want them to be wealthy or at this stage we think this is what happens when people leave college. This is I like, don't know. This is like Sigourney Weaver going from the first Ghostbusters in 1984 to being lead cello in the New York Philharmonic Orchestra mm-hmm. to five years later being an expert art restoration lady working in the apparently New York Museum of Paintings of which contains Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah. The, the whole... Like you just that... jump massively like super invested careers. Yeah. The, the house of Jim's parents that Michelle and Jim apparently are living in uh, one assumes living together um, the house that Jim built the house that Jim built uh, it was a, a, a relatively modest family house as I recall in the first one it's massive <laughs> it needs to be it's massive huge. to contain yeah. the bachelor party my god the bachelor party aye, aye, aye. Aye. so Stifler is now 
the other star of this movie. I don't know what it was. Maybe American Pie 2 piqued people's interest in Sean William Scott. Maybe Sean William Scott being in other movies made the makers think, this guy's really funny. Maybe the fact that Sean William Scott is much funnier than either Chris Klein or whoever plays Kevin. And they were like, he's a character. Or whoever plays Finchie as well. And they were like, he's a character and he works as quite a good foil for Jim because Jim is a decent guy and Stifler's a piece of shit. Stifler is a boat anchor at this point and everybody is starting to recognise that fact. But like I said, the fact that this sudden class divide has sprung up makes it impossible not to think that that's part of it. He comes to the uh, uh, wedding sort of announcement party and he's like snuck into a room to get the cake and rearrange the lettering so it says congratulation jism and he's like ha 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 fuck face and i'm like okay the point is here he peaked in high school but this guy it appears to have had half his brain removed well it, it the, he seems to think it's a graduation party not an engagement party and he's pissed off that he hasn't been invited but like i said as far as i can tell he didn't go to college so he didn't graduate mm. like the rest of them so yeah like like you said there's a weird kind of class divide mm. many of us did not go to college. Many of us went to college, but were unable to finish college because of financial fucking strife. But the finances of it, the this is something that always pisses me off when they do American films about weddings. Very, very rarely, unless this is the point of the movie, does anybody discuss the cost. The things like, we're going to talk about the, the antics that they get up to, but the high-class designer that they try to get to do Michelle's dress. Nobody ever mentions that there's going to be a bill attached to this. Nine grand. The flowers that just die and have to be replaced. Nobody mentions how much flowers cost Nine grand. when they're attached to a wedding. It's ridiculous. The cake gets covered in Jim's pubes for reasons. That's another nine grand in the bin. They throw it away and they're just going to have to get another one. The, the, the franticness and the antics are all about, but how are the we anticness. going to... The anticness. <laughs> and the frantics. How are we going to go about getting ABC? The cost of ABC never gets it's mentioned. It's easy. Nine grand. Never gets Just have Stifler mentioned. reach into his life savings and, and give them nine grand. that if they are working off the ridiculously toxic traditional approach to marriage that Michelle's parents are having to foot all of this replacement. The lovely Fred Willard turns up as, uh, as, as uh, uh, Michelle's dad. He does indeed. Um, anyway, and breathe. And breathe. There's no girls in this movie. All of there the girls from the original two have been exiled. They have. Michelle is here, but we have no Jessica. We have no Vicky. We have no Heather. Other one. <laughs> No, they barely had anything to do in the first but, two. Now they literally this, have nothing right, to do. And this, I was going to say this before when we were talking about Which means Oz. that there is a serious absence of feminine energy in this film. There is. There is a serious absence of anything that gives us a break from watching these asshole boys piss around and fuck things up. But <sighs> the and and the fact that Oz is not there either, and I noticed this He was the only sensitive one, kind of, not, apart from Jim. Not only are Oz, Heather... Vicky and Jessica entirely absent. Nobody, nobody mentions their absence. Jim has a very heartfelt speech about how his boys have always backed him up and that's why everything seems to Including work out Including you, Stifler. Apparently, Oz was not worth mentioning. His presence in the last two films worth of fucking things up and being supported doesn't count for shit. Yikes. They don't even breathe his name. It's like he never existed. 
you could remove this film from the series mm. and no one would notice. It's kind of like uh, the way Shia LaBeouf said, well, was unable to continue doing Transformers films. And so Michael Bay had him killed off camera by like having a horrible picture of his face and saying, well, you are the last Witwicky Vivian, which means by exclusion that Sam Witwicky has perished somehow, somewhere. But at least he was mentioned. At least he was referenced. Absolutely. The only person who gets a mention and is not present is Nadia. And she's only sort of, so Jim can sort of reference the rest of his sexual escapades, which is Nadia. Which is Nadia. <laughs> I don't think coming twice in her presence really accounts. And and be having the opportunity to have sex with her again and deciding not to. Yeah. Which Stifler takes the piss out of him for. So um, we got no girls, but we do have trans panic a bit in this movie. They go to a bar in search of this dress designer named Leslie. And it's like, oh, we're looking for a woman named Leslie who can design dresses. And it's a bar with a lot of uh, strangely queer people. I wonder what the twist is going to be. <sighs> um, Stifler orders a drink and then it meets a, a trans lady who immediately starts poking and groping him because that is, of course, what trans folk do. They attack us and they want to grab our asses and be flirtatious because they're just so voracious for sex and they're definitely not really, really worried that they'll be murdered. This whole section, and they, they are clearly building to something and the reversal that they attempt to pull... And I would say just about pull off. Just, just about. Because after this, like the, tox- the, 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 the toxic homophobia kind of takes us, if not a backseat, it is told to shut up for yeah. a bit. It is, it is highlighted that Stifler's backs against the wall boys homophobia mm. at this stage. And trans panic. And, and I mean, he doesn't even the... experience trans panic. He's just confused <laughs> He's at this point. He's just baffled. But the, all of the, the toxicity surrounding this, this is what I mean. They want to reverse it and say, this is ridiculous, this is stupid, we're just people, and you're an arsehole for not recognising But their writing this. is for shit and but they're they stupid. they want to have the gag first too. They want to have their cake and eat it. Yeah. So Stifler gets into a kind of a verbal fight with a gay man who, named Bear who's been brought to meet him by a lady that he tried to proposition who's... She might be gay, she might not be. It kind of doesn't matter because Bear's like, say, how's, how's it going? And then Stifler realises that he's being propositioned by Bear after they go back and forth a bit. And then Bear's like, you know what? Nah. And then uh, Stifler sort of starts to get uh, neurotic is like everyone's looking for a bit of the stiff meister everyone laughs at him then he storms off while uh, everyone's like what was that all about and it's like that would have been kind of okay as a sort of a way to get him thinking about himself a bit more then he turns up and initiates a dance off and strangely it's not terrible because Bear rises to the occasion and despite his muscular build and beardy face he has very dainty little moves and is actually kind of a fantastic dancer but also Sean William Scott's not terrible either and really leans into the whole dancing back and forth they have chemistry together do you know what would have been way better than everything else that happens later to Stifler in this film him and Bear get together but that doesn't happen because Bear then becomes kind of a support character in the film it's like no 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 no, that scene was fine that'll do and then Leslie shows up and goes I will make you that dress since you have danced well enough and it's like that's not the way gay people like you don't have to pass a test for gay people you just have to not be a piece of shit which I don't know I don't think Stifler really qualifies at this stage not yet no but you're right the whole point is that they're trying to sort of um, they're mocking Stifler and they're, they're like yeah gay people are people too but then Bear says I'll get you some girls for the bachelor party and then throws in the clunker real ones 
And it's like, so that that way the audience can laugh because of the trans lady who was there before, who's not real. And at that point, that's a, that's a go to hell moment. Uh, like, you should not, you are not responsible enough to make this joke properly. And also, you might have wanted to run it past a few gay and trans people, just to have them go, oh no, but maybe don't have them say real ones at that point. Well, just the fact that, like I said, they want to have, they want to be able to point out that this shit is toxic, but they also want to say, but isn't it funny? Yeah. Uh, so then there's the battle for Cadence, and it's January Jones shows up, and she's relatively new in her career, and um, the <laughs> all this works out I as... I am so glad, by the way, that she got Mad Men so she could stop having to play roles like this. Bingo. Uh, Stifler decides he's going to start playing up and pretending to be a nice, nice guy so that he can get into uh, January Jones's pants. And Finchie decides, no, fuck this. If he's being like this, I'll just do Stifler. And I'll just be, be an exaggerated, awful version of him, whom January Jones also seems to kind of like, which confuses Stifler further. Well, she's when they first meet, she's studying philosophy, and uh, Finch kind of cottons on to the fact that he can amp up his sophisticated persona, and that's something that she has mm. an interest in. But then she says that she's getting burned out with all the academic stuff, and, and really... This is after one quote, by yeah. the way. She just wants to let her hair down and relax. And so, uh, and because she's laughing at Stifler's antics, Finch decides Frantics. to do the same. Yeah. And it, they basically swap personas whenever she's around. Mm. It's almost like a body swap movie, but far less compelling. Yes. Anyway, uh, ring shenanigans. First of Oy. all, there's... There's a bachelor party, and we watched the unrated version of the DVD, which meant two things. One, it meant that jokes went on and on and on, and we were like, whoa, this bit's really going. <laughs> and two, the quality was fucking terrible. Possibly that they, they lowered the quality of the regular DVD version to match the low quality of the deleted scenes that they reinserted so it would be seamless, or possibly just because it was a fucking terrible universal DVD from the early 2000s. Mm. Either one qualifies. My God, watching films like this is offensive on so many levels now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, The Bachelor Party goes on and on and on and on, fucking on, because they shot a lot of footage and they clearly let everyone improv a lot of stuff. There are two strippers, one dressed as a French maid, who, by the way, turned up very briefly in uh, The Girl Next Door, which is the good version of any of these movies, um, and uh, another one dressed as a, a policewoman, but who also seems to be kind of playing a Nazi dominatrix, a little bit. Mm. And it just goes on and on, and they're, they're smacking each other, and people, the guys are getting tied to chairs, they're dancing with dogs. And the one point that I really pissed me off was that when the, I think it's the cop, is talking to Stifler, it just sort of cuts to a scene that she's sitting next to him on the couch, t talking about herself, talking about the, uh, you know, her, her personal experiences. Mm. And I was like, Paul... She's talking about a pet she a had. Pet, she yeah, a dog a that she loved. Yeah. Like, you know, so, and, and, like, you pull out the fucking Blink-182 music or whatever the hell is playing at this point and actually have Stifler, Stifler fucking listening, he's on the way to not objectifying women. Mm. And then they step on that by having Sean William Scott go, I don't care, just dance for me. And it's like, you're not making any progress. I wish you would explode in a shower of bones. I think the dogs would be happy. Yeah. Uh, then the. There's also a moment in this, by the way, where uh, it, it kind of set off a little bit of a consent conversation because Kevin, mm -hmm. who is Mr. Square of mm -hmm. the bunch, obviously, has a girlfriend who would not approve of any of this. Do we ever see her? No, no. No, not at all. 
at all. He doesn't even tell, say her name. He just says, My I have girlfriend. a girlfriend. Would not like this. Um, and he's tied to a chair with duct tape. He's already been stripped half naked. But the policewoman leans down and says to him, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Which I actually thought, that's quite a nice touch. At which point, Stifler drags her back and says, no, don't you ever break character. Spank him. <sighs> okay, so I've just put here a hurricane of discarded pubes land on a wedding cake. It's just literally that. You jumped quite a bit there, but in all honesty, yeah. not a lot happens that's of any note in between those two things. They get to the wedding mansion. Uh, Jim shaves his pubes because he's worried that he needs shaven balls for a fucking wedding or something. L luckily, this actually does pay off in a sweet way, but... The road to get there is so rocky. Mm. Then there is the death of cinema scene. How to do this quickly without making everybody sick, including my co-host and wife. <laughs> I can leave the room. Okay. Um, right, Stifler is entrusted with the wedding ring, which, by the way, you pointed out was exactly the same as the engagement ring. Well, I think the props got mixed up at some point. So there are two rings knocking backwards and forwards in this, and there are gags involved in both. Fire prop guy. Jim has a diamond engagement ring that he is meant to propose to Michelle with at the beginning, which he left at home, and his dad has to bring it to the restaurant. And they had to and close the restaurant. And the blowjob scene ensues. Then... Michelle's mother has what she says is is her grandmother's engage uh, sorry her grandmother's wedding ring which she is going to give to Jim in order to actually perform the wedding ceremony as a kind of a welcome to the family yeah I mean it's an eternity ring not an actual wedding ring because it's got the strip of stones across the middle oh, yeah. but that's that's beside the point but so uh, what they do with it like all of this supposition Absolutely. regarding the prop but is out the window. Having shown us this eternity-like engagement ring with a strip of stones, when she eventually gives the ring to Stifler, we won't even go into how he's the one who ends up in he's charge He's just so good at pretending to be a decent guy. Mm. Which, in fact, is all tied in with the fact that he's trying to bone Cadence. It's nothing to do with wanting to be respected or, or thought of well yeah. or anything. And initially, he's pissed off that Jim didn't invite him to the wedding and didn't invite him to the wedding party, and he basically forces himself on the whole movie. Yeah, he invites himself to be the best man, basically. So when she gives the ring to him... It's the single stone engagement ring that Jim proposed to Michelle with at the beginning of the movie, which just made me go, well, your props have got messed up there. That just looks daft. And props are about to get a lot more messed up, if you know what yes, I'm saying. Yes, I know. And by the way, when it gets to that scene, they've gone back to the strip and uh, eternity ring style. Probably one. be easier. Uh, maybe they did it afterwards and they were like, we really don't want to get that ring back on the screen. But the either way, as I said at the time, I realise literally nobody else is going to have noticed that. Mm. Glitch, but it annoyed me and it took me out of the scene. Yeah, okay. So, okay, if you really don't want to hear something really disgusting, jump forwards. I'm going to say four minutes. Sharon, you may absolutely put your fingers in your ears if you want to. If the gonk is still playing, I'm still talking about this, so keep going till there's no music. This was the point that I was like, oh, you're forcing too many of these jokes. The, f the, the amount of pressure being put behind this joke to make it work and the whole To make it happen. It doesn't work. The, 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 the way that this maintains, the way that this just stretches it out is like a fucking Kubrick shot. It would be powerful, but it just makes you want to die. Just like the whole, oh my God, they're still going. Just fucking finish already. <sighs> Sean William Scott uh, throws a bunch of treats down for the dogs to eat, and then the dog eats 
the ring because he had that in his pocket as well. And then he hangs around with the dogs waiting for them to shit so that he can get the ring back. And he's just like, come on, come on. And it's like, that would do. That'll be fine. Like, And he has to pick it out and go away. You know, that's something gross for Stifler. But they were like, nah, nah, man. That's only going to a level six. We need to go to 11. And they went to fucking 99 with this thing. And like, uh, uh, at the point of maybe seven, it would have gone beyond the boundaries of good taste. And this is like, this, like John Waters would do this, but in a kind of, I'm doing this on purpose way. As Stifler goes to pick up the fucking shit, he's eating chocolate cake. And he puts it on his, like in a chocolate cake wrapper, the whole shit and the ring, rather than just taking the ring out and tossing aside the shit. And then Michelle's mom and dad, who we've already carefully had established are really fond of chocolate. <laughs> ambush him and go, oh, what have you got there? The chef isn't releasing the chocolate truffles till later today. Oh, you sneaky devil, you got hold of one of them. Can I have some, please? And he's like, no, I, no, no, no. And they're standing like a foot away from him. If someone's holding a lump of dog shit, you can smell it. Do you know how I know why? Cause we own a dog. And they're like, oh, oh, come on, give us some of that. He's like, no, 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 I don't, oh, I want it all for myself. And she keeps asking and eventually, rather than just flinging it away and going, there, now no one gets it. I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have stolen it in the first place. He crams the shit in his mouth and we have to sit and watch Sean William Scott chomping on dog shit. Meanwhile, Fred Willard and this lady are just improvising. Ooh, tell us how it tastes. And he's like got shit on his teeth. And he's like, oh, it tastes of twigs and berries. And the camera's still rolling and rolling. And I'm going, just stop already. He's eating the shit. Just make him swallow it and move on. And eventually the scene moves on. But at that point, I just, I was like, put comedy in its grave. It's dead. You know? Did that get me more or less angry than the babies, the robot babies in License to Wed? I think less angry. I think less angry, yeah. Because at the time, my anger on that was fresh, whereas this it was a stale old anger. Also, License to Wed is composed of excellent actors. That is true, actually. Krasinski, Mandy Moore, and Robin fucking Williams. You're like, oh, God, you could do so much it with these It should be people. so far above the material, whereas this Mandy Moore like, was we know you're not funny as fuck entangled. Mm. John Krasinski spent the whole of The Office being fantastic. Robin Williams is a legend. And you made this movie out of it? Yeah. With this, it was like, oh, fuck it, we got Jason Biggs, he's on the way out. Plough through this shit one more time. Sean Williams Scott, who we asked to literally plough through this shit mouth first. Mm. Indeed. Anyway, so you pointed out, oh, no one's mentioned the fact that this is a Jewish and Catholic wedding. That's that's notable. And I was like, uh-oh. And you fucking jinxed it. I did. I did. Okay, tell us how, how this develops and then how it gets solved. See, uh, okay, so yeah, Michelle comes from what appears to be an Irish Catholic family. And uh, Jim is Jewish and his grandmother has been brought along for the wedding. And she appears to be a sort of slightly grouchy elderly lady in a wheelchair who's losing it a little bit. And Jim takes Michelle to meet her in her hotel room and she freaks the fuck out. 
she acts like they just brought a demon into the bedroom. <laughs> demon! I felt demon! so bad for Michelle at this point. This woman She's like, is not Jewish. Her arms ah! are flailing. Not Jewish. Gaia. Gaia. And I, what the hell? For goodness sake. This is just so over the top ridiculous mm. and as we all know about grandmothers generally she would just get the most passive aggressive cold freeze ever yeah she'd be like oh not jewish and then her mouth would wrinkle and then mm. she might say i don't think it's right jimmy boy that you marry this girl or she'd the- say it and it would be like heartbreaking absolutely but she has to but be a fucking clown like yeah clearly this is ridiculous anyway so michelle is devastated and they they you know run from the room and now they have to conceal from Jim's parents the fact that Jim's dad's mother is totally down on the idea of Jim marrying a girl who's not Jewish. Um, Jim's dad is her son. He's probably aware of what this lady's mindset is, you know? He knows. <sighs> mean- and he's already decided he doesn't care. Mima, Mima is not cool with the Gentiles. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so it's just this whole thing which then becomes the end point of a joke that should never, ever, ever happen under any circumstances. But they've already scraped the bottom of the barrel. In for a penny, in for a hundred pounds, folks. Yeah. Uh, Stifler kills the flowers accidentally by turning on and off switches, doesn't matter. Then he goes and bullies the flower lady using fucking coach talk until she finally gets out of bed in the middle of the night and prepares flowers mm. for this fucking wedding. Again. Pays another nine grand one I was assumes. just going to say, where did Stifler get the money for this? I don't know. His bus driver job must pay quite well or like, maybe, maybe he asked his mom for it maybe <sighs> maybe that's why she's there later mm. anyway um as a result of saving the flowers in the meantime cadence has actually walked in on stifler effectively milking a cow angrily in front of miming it in front of finchie to say this is how much i'm going to fuck this girl i'm going to milk her tits like she's bovine and Cadence is not happy with that. But then when he saves the flowers... I wonder why. When he saves the flowers, she's like, oh, you really are a bastard. I'm going to fuck you anyway then. And he gets her as a reward to enjoy, like an eclair. Like those two eclairs he got at the end of the second film. Yeah. Well, he, she says to him, did you do all this to sort the flowers out because you just wanted to get me into bed or because you really care about the wedding? And he basically says, look, it's both. And she rewards him for his honesty. She finds it appealing again it's another example of they want to call out the toxicity but they also want to say look isn't this toxicity funny everybody laugh funny joke ha ha ha. i mean like if nothing else since you're aiming at an audience of stiflers actually having stifler become a decent person is a great plot for a film and there are plenty of opportunities in this for him to actually reflect they keep setting up these moments for him to do so but then the punchline is he doesn't have to he comes out of it all right there's a bit where jim asks him because jim's like you had some moves when you were dancing can you teach me to dance and they it cuts to the gym and stiffler says right what's the one key aspect of my personality or something to that effect and jason biggs goes you say the f word a lot and that should hit Stifler at least a little bit, have him go, what, no. 
No, no, I'm, you know, and then just like, like just having pause for just a moment to go, wow, is this what this guy who's known me all this time thinks about me? Mm. Just give him pause for thought. Sean William Scott's a good actor. He is. Get that out of him. He is, yeah. The ineptitude yeah. For, throughout the entirety of this fucking rotten movie. Jesus Christ. So anyway, Stifler then like gets told by Cadence, let's go upstairs to my room and fuck. Stifler f- feels around in the dark, think he's in the wrong room. He finds a lady. He starts to fuck her. Turns out it's grandma. And the point where you're like, get me out of this fucking movie, people discover him and grandma's like, focus, Stifler, in a kind of, I was enjoying that. Now I'm going to haul ass to Lollabalooza way. Which doesn't quite fit with her, uh, what we know about her already. Like, it seems like she would, in fact, uh, have a heart attack and die of shock. Plus the fact it's a fucking rape joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not an intentional rape, because he believed he had consent, but he's accidentally fucking an, uh, an old lady. Ugh. So the only sweet bit we've got left, we've got a, a couple... Um, and that's like that's the annoying thing. They actually have the makings of like you could do a funny film with this. If anything, you could actually kind of send yourselves up and go. This was the old American Pies. We're actually going to move forwards a and little bit. It, it still we're not going to stoop that low. It still did quite well. I, it, this had like a, a, a times four multiplier. I think it had a budget of about fifty mil, and it made about yep. two hundred mil. That's how it works with comedies. Well, I know, but the the. Um, the fact that it was all marketed by this sort of it's unrated and it's really disgusting. On the DVD, they can't release really unrated versions yeah, no, 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 of the I cinema. Yeah, no, no, I realise that. But ultimately, it 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 shows that this is where the marketers wanted to take this series. You write not just this series. There were a hell of a lot of unrated DVDs yeah. in those they in the a, early two thousands. What the makings of a semi decent heartfelt. Rom-com, and they're like, right, let's just inject the disgustingness because that's what we think people mm. want to see. I mean, it may, it's kind of like what they did with Team America World Police. You fill it to the brim with garbage, and then you just remove garbage until the ratings board say, okay, now this is an R. Mm. Yeah. Or you just remove and garbage you want- until you have something resembling a structure, but this isn't it. And then when you want to release the DVD, you put all the garbage back in again so you can say, now it's 20 minutes longer. But I saw it at the cinema. I happened to know it was already a bucket of garbage before the unrated cut. Isn't it? It's like 96 minutes. Yeah. Which begs the question, how long was it before they put all the shit back in again? 80 minutes. I mean, that's better than the second one that was also unrated. 105 fucking minutes. Yeah, that was way too long. I'm fine with it being short, but when it's this torturous, my God. Let's just get to the end. So, uh, Jim's dad um, is asked to uh, Michelle's room. She's like, I'm freaking out. I need to learn how to write my vows. And they sort of circle the airport and come down upon the fact that Jim shaved his balls. That's odd, but that's actually what love is, where you do strange things to try to make the other person happy. And it's like, I mean, as far as getting to a conclusion... That ain't half bad. It's not. It's also not at twenty one, twenty two. The worst definition of love that you could roll with. Yeah. And then when she gives the vows, uh, they they sort of allude to it, but she doesn't say it, you know, horribly and crassly. L- real love is shaving your balls, and I understand that. And then shock the entire audience. She just uh, alludes to a special haircut, and then they have a dance, which has a really nice overhead shot. That's uh, kind of a, a Busby Berkeley thing, and. 
you know, Jim has actually learned to dance rather well, and she that matters to her. And it's um, like Michelle's cool. dress that they went out of their way to get this incredibly high class designer Looks to really make nice, for yeah. her is very nice. Uh, and then. Uh, <laughs> it was like they couldn't just leave it with that. There's, they've got to fuck up twice more. Uh, well, firstly, and predictably, Stifler's mom shows up and Stifler... Sorry. Finch is like, oh, Stifler's mom. Shall we go and bone? It's what people want to see. And honestly, I can't be that mad at this gag because it makes middle-aged women feel sexy. Mm. Feel desired. And I'm like... Eh. That's cool, you know. It's 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 not allowing Finch any real growth, but frankly, him acting like Stifler this whole time gave the actor a bit more of a chance to do something. He's still not a great character. He's less of a creep than he was. Mm. I don't know. He seems like a semi-human being, whereas Kevin seems like a golem. His essence has been removed from his head, and he's just standing there looking pretty-ish. Mm. But the the other bad thing is not terrible relative to other things but it was like it made you go oh for fuck's sake mm. is that the the mum of is it Mich- Michelle's mum it's, it's mom? Michelle's mum so they they have this moment where everybody's dancing and uh, Jim's parents and Michelle's parents kind of dance close to each other and oh wasn't it a great day and didn't the kids look fantastic and all the rest of it and then Michelle's mum says and this is just another it's it's a tiny drop of toxicity in the lake we have been swimming in but she says I'm a little sad that after tonight our Michelle will be a woman heavy wink I mean she doesn't do the heavy wink but the whole point is she'll be is, deflowered her hymen will be def- broken by the Jim love of penis. God, could we please get off this train of parents having anything invested in the relative virginity of their offspring? Stop it. Just stop it. They want their girls to remain virgins until marriage, and, and they, they want, want their, their boys, boys to sow to their royal oats. As quickly as possible so that we can re- breathe a sigh of relief that they're not gay. You can despoil those other girls. For goodness sake. But... It, it's the, the point of it is supposed to be that, that Jim's dad... But would have been a way around it. <laughs> you know I'm thinking of Oates and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the, the point of the gag is that Jim's dad demonstrates immense tact and uh, says he's never seen either Jim or Michelle do or say anything that would make him think it would be otherwise. Yes, and this is after Michelle's gotten really nasty with him, like, in a way of, like, I really like like sex, and she clearly loves it and takes great joy in it. Well, yeah, part of the point of them as being, like, this couple that work really well together is that they are very relaxed and open about the things that turn them both on. Yeah, they're both very randy, which is cool. They're they're in their early 20s, of course they are. Yeah, but, um... Jim and, and Michelle have a little conversation at the end and she's like, you know, who'd have thought that a, a little perv like you could come up with this? And he says, and who'd have thought a little nympho like you? And I couldn't catch the rest of it because I was just busy bellowing, that's not what a nymphomaniac is. Mm. You misapply nympho. Right, but, but let me explain something about the rug. Do you like sex, Mr. Lebowski? Excuse me? Sex, the physical act of love. Coitus. Do you like it? I was talking about my rug. You're not interested in sex? You mean coitus? I like it too. It's a male myth about feminists that we hate sex. It can be a natural, zesty enterprise. However, there are some people, it is called satoriasis in men, nymphomania in women, who engage in it compulsively and without joy. Oh, no. Oh, yes, Mr. Lebowski. These unfortunate souls cannot love in the true sense of the word. Our mutual acquaintance, Bunny, is one of these. We're going to do a big Lebowski show pretty soon. In fact, we're going to do a full Coen Brothers season. Oh, 
and Bunny Lebowski that she's talking about, played by Tara Reid, who occasionally plays Vicky in the American Pie series. Uh, you need to watch the Michael Fassbender film Shame. Oh, and uh, Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac uh, to see someone who engages in sex in an addictive fashion and never gets anything out of it beyond the sensation. Which is absolutely not, Michelle. Yeah. Either way, good idea to end on yet another fucking mistake. Roll on, American Pie Reunion. Hello, my old friends. I thought about throwing them out, but uh, they just have too much sentimental value. But you know, it seems like only yesterday when I bought these for you. Boy, these pages are all stuck together here. You guys are here for the reunion, huh? Hey, Kevin, is that what I think it is on your face? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim? You don't remember me, do you? It's been a long time since I needed a babysitter. Kara? It's my 18th birthday tomorrow. You should come to my party. Oh, uh, that Please, might be I want you to come so bad. Let's make this weekend our bitch. Let's get a little lit. You better be ready. You better be ready. Let's the senior wish list. Remember, we all had to write about our future. Chris Ostriker hopes to find true love. Clerchick! Who's this douche? My boyfriend. You two are banging, and you two used to bang. <laughs> this must be awkward for all of you. <laughs> Steven Stifler hopes to keep the party going with his boys. Here's a smoking hot 18-year-old girl that used to babysit. I'm not gonna cheat on my wife. I'm a father now. Be her daddy. Jim Levenstein hopes to have the sex life of... Ricky Martin. <laughs> You're probably having more sex than any of us. <laughs> probably. High school was awesome. What we had was special. Then we graduated and started getting jobs and getting married and having kids and all that other stupid stuff. None of our lives are perfect, but no matter what we're going through, we'll always be there for each other. Were we just as obnoxious as these kids back in the day? No, our generation was definitely more mature. What are you doing? I'm gonna throw up. You know, Dad, it's been three years. Think maybe it's time for you to get back out there? Who might you be? I'm Stifler's mom. Oh, I'm Jim's dad. American Reunion. I have not had a night like that since the 70s. Don't need this. You'd be surprised what you can do with a well-placed thumb. Okay, American Reunion. Uh, this was released in 2012. And uh, this is where the kids return as fully grown adults in their 30s, since the last one was 2003, so it was still, what, nine years since, uh, since we'd seen them. And um, it had, as such, the richest potential for retrospection, introspection, progress, maturity, and illustrating how we change at different stages in our lives whilst some aspects of us do remain the same. Instead, it is immediately obnoxious and re-re-re-emphasizes how little progress any of these douchebags have made since they were 18, not only undoing any good work they had had with the first three, but actually kind of doubling down on all the worst aspects to make this by far far the worst of the four. I'm amazed. I am amazed at the squandered possibility here and the 
chucking grenades at your own feet bullshit of American reunion. So, Jim and Michelle are having marriage problems, having had a child who exhausts them and drains the sex drive, blah, 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 blah. We are never going to get away from this one fucking story. They also can't find private time to have a wank in peace. Uh, they I dis- mean, one sympathizes. <laughs> they d- No! No! I always give you time and space and peace to have a wank. I encourage it when you are feeling stressed, and I, I can tell when you need it more than you do. That is very true. So I one mean, does not sympathise. One sympathises, but one does not have to go through that shit. Well, no, I meant in a more general sense. General wank. <laughs> <sighs> they decide to rekindle their affections at their 13-year high school reunion, where they meet up with the old gang. Do you know who has a 13-year high school reunion? No one! Do you know why? Because it's... Ten years, motherfucker! They couldn't get it organised for 2009, only 2012. Do you know if, once you've had your ten-year high school reunion, do you know who has a ten-year high school reunion the next year? The ones who are the year after you, for fuck's sake! Jesus Christ! Who organises these things? Anyway. (sighs) Oz sees Heather again and wants her. Luckily, his girlfriend is both stupid and unfaithful, and even though Heather's boyfriend seems either passingly hostile to Oz or weirdly into Oz, he ends up uh, being punched away from that that pre-existing relationship with Heather. He's literally punched out of the story. Kevin sees Vicky again. Um, Remember Vicky? She hasn't been around for a while. And he wants her, but decides to stick with his faithful wife. Aside from a little beard, which makes him look like a G.I. Joe of Cat Stevens, that's all Kevin has, or has ever had. Jim, however, our hero for three movies now, sees the girl he babysat when he was in his late teens. She was watching Teletubbies and he wants her because she's like 17 and hot. Her name's Cara, by the way. Uh, But he won't have sex with her when push comes to shove because he wants to remain faithful to Michelle. That would be the end of it. However, Cara gets drunk and horny easily and often and never takes no for an answer if the question is, do you want to take my virginity? Finch has apparently been motorbiking around the world, though it turns out he hasn't. That's all Finch has got going in this movie. And Stifler is a highly paid executive personal assistant, though he still slaps women's asses as he goes through the office shouting at everyone. I mean, like, he's just cheerily like, hey, like that. And it's like, oh, it's 2012. Yeah, just maybe maybe grab her by the pussy, um, Stifler, you know, just there's no, there's no way that could date. Uh, there's an awkwardness about gay people in this one. Mm. Like, more than the others. Well... Especially after the seeming ground of, hey, you know what? Gay people are people too that uh, turned out in uh, in the third one. And then they kind of try to have their cake and eat it at the end, don't they? They do, yes. Uh, So two of Stifler's old lacrosse buddies turn up and tell him that they are now a couple. I think he makes some joke about, oh, that's so gay. And they go, well, yes. Yes, that's what... We are. Yeah. And and then follow that with, half the lacrosse team was gay. You must have known. You caught a couple of us in the shower that one mm. time. But Stifler was, and ever shall be, oblivious. Yeah. Although at the end, he's like, yeah, sure, I'll officiate your wedding. Well, no, they, they want... They, they, 
They wanted to party plan his wedding. planning abilities and ask him to organise their wedding. It's noteworthy, by the way, that he turns up at his own party in this, wearing a t-shirt that says orgasm donor, and he's amazed that all the adults are there being adults. So he didn't plan it that well, did he? No. Hey, I'm a party planner. It's at my house. You got anything else? Nah. Bring a keg. Also, ice. Uh, There's also a weird cluster of attitudes to gorgeous people in this film. You know how the Fast and Furious films, all the girls, like, they'll be, like, especially in the later ones, there are scenes that call back to the early ones where all the girls are titty-titty, strutty-strutty. Every scene with any girls in it is like that now. Like, all teenagers are like, 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 they are objects for the 30-something-year-old men to drool over. It's fucking creepy it's very and like creepy. the film doesn't even know that the film doesn't even acknowledge that these guys leering at the girls is creepy it doesn't but like it was creepy when they were teens but at least they were just being creepy teens now they're creepy men yeah when i say cluster of attitudes i mean the first person you meet that's really gorgeous in a sort of a knockout way is uh, a bisexual guy uh, who is in the hot tub with Chris Klein's girlfriend? Yes. And she's like, oh, he's just the interior decorator. And uh, Chris Klein's like, oh, okay. And it's like, wow, Chris Klein, where have you been (laughs) hiding all this time with all of this uh, raw charisma? Um, But he's threatened by this guy who who sort of flirts with Chris Klein. And Chris Klein's like, oh, I'm not into this. Oh, buy a guy an egg cream first. That's also from the We Hate Movies episode on Cyber Seduction, His Secret Life. There's also a thing about, like, wow, this girl is hot now, and she used to be ugly. Like, there's a picture of um, uh, of the, the, the girl who was uh, Alison Hannigan's former band camp friend. Mm. Her, her name is Selena, and there's like, the picture is like, ah, I'm ugly Betty, and it's like, she's really hot now, and, and it's like, yeah, see, what this is saying is, you know, maybe maybe stick with the ugly girl, because she might turn into a, a, you know, a total hottie later on when she turns 30. And then there's the reverse of that, where a girl that Stiffer's been fantasizing about for, you know, coming on for t- 13 years now, uh, because she was really, really good at performing oral sex, uh, when he meets her again, she's really, really big, and he's disgusted. And it's like, well, if you if you stay with a girl who's really hot now, maybe she'll be really big in the future. You never know. It's like Russian roulette. And it's like, wow, that's really fucking shallow. Like, that's really fucking shallow. Uh, there's uh, Chris Klein at one point very much sort of pretty much yells at the front of the screen, let's just keep that in the past, okay? Like, the things that happened in the past, they happened in the past, let's not do, you know, talk about those again. And the entire movie is, hey, remember this? It was Jim dancing to the bare naked ladies. Hey, remember this? Milf. Hey, remember this? Stifler's mom. Yeah, we remember there were fucking three of these and five straight to video. And at this point, the series has gone well beyond full circle. Because if it went full circle and went back to being as bad as the original American Pie, it would be the best in the series because the first one is the best in the series by quite a long way. Because it has character development and it ends at a point wherein they have actually completed arcs. Fairly minor arcs for most of them, but like it's something. And the fact that they got walked back for two and then again for three is infuriating. But then the the, the walk back here is so far that they basically 
uh, they they circle back way past 1999 and they end up in 1984 with Revenge of the Nerds. And along the way, this film ran past 21 Jump Street, which came out two months beforehand, and it ran past with its fingers in its ears going, la 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 la, so it wouldn't learn a goddamn thing. And as it ran back blindly through the 2000s, it stepped in old school, and it dragged those shitty footprints back two decades. I put There's a section simply I've referred to as here as Babysitter and the Beast, but I am done explaining these things. The short of it is... The girl that Jim tried to babysit tries to come onto him in the car and then she bangs her head and then they try to get her weekend at Bernie's unconscious form back into her bed and like her dress goes flying off and her tits come flopping out and it's really fucking degrading. And Stifler's like, oh, look at them titties. And then he chases them upstairs so that he can ogle her norks. And I'm... I'm just like I can't even I can't even sum up the words to say this film now. All I'm doing is squawking like an owl that's that's eaten a way too big a mouse and it's trapped there. And I just want to hawk it up. American reunion. It's like, it's like too swallowing big mouse. too big a mouse. Also, remember, remember what we said about a million years ago? Wouldn't it be awesome if they were like 55th paying attention to the ladies and the boys? Well, quite the opposite of going towards the ladies. This one pretty much rules out the women. Like, there's no, like the women do not e- express internal thoughts in this film. Nope. It's astonishing. You get a very brief conversation between Michelle and Selena about the fact that she and Jim aren't having sex. That does not pass the Bechdel test. No, it doesn't, because they're talking about Jim. Yeah. Jim's penis specifically. All of them have returned, and the film concerns itself with none of them. In fact, every single woman in this entire film is either a drunken slattern, a playboy model with the mind of a naive child, a haggard old shrew, or a total moron. Can you think of anyone who's not? Or I suppose a cougar. The cougars are all right. Uh, Natasha Leon, who turns up for very briefly 17 like, hey, seconds at the end. Hey guys, so now I'm a lesbian, obviously. I always was a lesbian. It doesn't look like I'm going to be swapping back with my daughter anytime soon. It's been 13 <laughs> years of this shit, so fuck it. I guess I'm just going to live my best life. And also the Shermanator and Nadia come back for a brief cameo. And there's a fun gag where, where Nadia's guy looks like a short version of Jim. And it's like, ah, her version of, of guys is Jim. But in... American Pie 2, she actually hooks up with the Shermanator, if you remember. Like, he, he, like, he gets told by Natasha Leon to just drop the whole Shermanator act. No one finds it attractive. No, like, has it ever worked on any woman? And then he just sort of, like, approaches Nadia and goes, I guess you don't find me funny. I'm just a fucking nerd. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not the Shermanator. And Nadia goes, oh, yes, please, fuck me, nerd. Because it's suddenly so attractive to her that, that, that this guy's sort of speaking in a slightly affected manner where he talks about himself being a robot out there to sperminate girls or something. He's pretending to be a killer robot from the future. Some This one woman finds it charming. Do you know what would have been funnier? She married him. Like, and they really get on well. And Because when Shermanator turns up in this, like he's kind of pretty good he's in a suit you know he's like his his complexion has cleared up he's got decent hair he's grown into himself a bit you know he's he's not a young ginger adonis but 
he seems to have it a bit more together than Chris Klein. Mm. I was actually thinking, unlike Oz, who is starting to fall mm. apart at the seams a little bit. And he's also got, Oz has got plugs as well, which is like the, the male version of, of Botox. We're not going to go into the rotten fucking time that most of the women uh, went through during the American Pie years for them. Natasha Leon did not have a fantastic time and almost died. Tara Reid also had a fucking horrible time. And um, I would imagine Alison Hannigan did not have a fucking picnic. Certainly didn't break into the movies like she was hoping. She was just known for American Pie. Also, we haven't talked about how fucking white these movies all are, but we can now add some people of colour to this production, including the mean shitty boss that the Stiffmeister has to kowtow to, who is like a fucking... He's, he is playing kind of somewhere between a caricature of somebody who is Indian and also an asshole. There's also the aforementioned muscular black bisexual who cucked Oz in his hot tub. This is something conservative white men are terrified of. Finch impresses Selena, who is the girl who I mentioned before, a, uh, a woman of colour. And she is besotted with tales of the wider world from this white guy who allegedly has seen it. And it just, it doesn't look good. He was lying in the end, but she doesn't mind. John Cho returns for a few scenes. He had now by this point played Hikaru Sulu in the two highest earning Star Trek movies of all time. In future years, he would go on to be in Searching, one of the best cyber thrillers of, um, no, sorry, the best cyber thriller of all time. There will, I, I don't, I think it's going to be very difficult to do a cyber thriller in, the, in those well, particular words. I was going to say, what are you comparing it to exactly? The net. The net. Hackers. <laughs> uh, uh, Disclosure, the lawnmower man. Uh, but either way, searching blows them all out of the water. He just sort of turns up, has a moustache, says that he's quite successful in his life, and he is literally credited as MILF guy number two. MILF guy number one turns up at the end. Yes. And they start chanting MILF because Stifler gets to fuck Finch's mum this time. Okay, cool, because Finch decides not to have sex with Stifler's mom. She's moved on to greener pastures, greyer pastures. Also, it's worth pointing out some music choices that were fucking baffling. Bill Bev DeVoe's Poison from 1990 plays at the fucking high school reunion. From 1990, nine years before they fucking graduated. And there's also Laid by James for the gang toasting, like, you know, to the next step, like at the end of the original American Pie. This bed is on fire with passion and love. That was from the beginning and end of the third film that Oz was not present for, and the film that was supposed to be about Jim and Michelle graduating from really being teenagers or college kids and joining the ranks of tired married adults. The song should have been Semi-Charmed Kind of Life by Third Eye Blind, which was the song from the end of the first movie. Although I will exceed Laid was in the trailer for the original American Pie, but only the trailer. And I realize I've cordoned off Spirit in the Sky for its iconic usage in the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. So I guess this is their female empowerment song, which feels dreadfully insincere after this fourth film, and the third film, and the second film, and the first film. Although, good choice of Gone by Lit. That was a perennial late 90s, early 2000s classic. No Blink-182, and thankfully no Sum 41 this time around. There's a brief subplot about them helping Dad to get back out there. Eugene Levy once again bringing the sweetness, the only tiny ray of light in this film. There's so little, there's so little of any substance in here. 
His wife, Jim's mum, has died in the interim nine years since we were last there, and his quiet grieving is heartbreaking. And I was like, can we just have this film instead, please? And he ends up uh, getting together with Stifler's mom, who declares herself as being Stifler's mom. And it gets even weirder. Like, I can sort of understand if it's like, I want to get back at my son, and you, Finch, refer to my son as Stifler, so call me Stifler's mom. But no one would call you Shaw's mom, because I'm Shaw. Her name is Janine Stifler. Why would she call her son Stifler? His name is Steve. <sighs> also, that's me. Calling your son Steven Stifler. Stupid is what it is. At the party, Stifler meets the girl who gave him great oral sex, but she is now fat. Um, she says, nah, uh, uh, you're gonna give me oral sex before I give you oral sex. He goes down on her. She orgasms, and then she says, psych, and walks out of the bathroom, leaving him having been used. You know, like Jim was at the end of the first one, but he was happy about it. And Stifler, like, then looks at his face, which is very slick and covered in pubes, and he's like, oh, gross. So it's, like, empowering for this lady who's taken from him. And also, she's gross and disgusting, and going down on her would be terrible. What... This is that I think that might be the biggest fucking case of having your pussy and eating it. One of the most toxic gags. Yeah, I mean, is that the most denigrating to women in the whole fucking wretched franchise that Pretty we've much. seen? Especially considering, think about what they're comparing it to. What have they put that in? What, how? What are they juxtaposing that with? What happens to Stifler in one, two, and three? He drinks cum. Male cum. He gets pissed on. Male piss. And he eats shit. Dog shit. And apparently this is in that same bracket because he doesn't consume anything else particularly disgusting in this one. I am so sorry, folks. I am so sorry to be the bearer of bad comings. There's also, like, because Jim and uh, Michelle have not been uh, able to have sex, they decide to start canoodling at the party and they go into a bedroom and it's like, okay, this is cool. Like, you can pretend you're teenagers and you're sort of like, you know, you, you make out at a party, maybe get frisky, second base, third base, fourth base, fifth base. Uh, but she's like, no, 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 wait there. Put this stuff on. And, like, she's got fetish gear. And I was like, you don't go to fucking Stifler's party. Put on fetish... Both of you put on very complicated fetish gear? And also, like, I don't know if you've met Jim, Michelle, but he's a bit clumsy and shit like what then happens to him, happens to him all the time! <sighs> he gets dragged outside, gets into a fight while wearing the bondage gear, then she turns up and starts spanking with a little riding crop, the guy who's beaten the crap out of him. People try to muster a laugh, do something, it's desperate. Oh, and um, also the, there's like there's the reason that the fight starts happening is because Kara comes back, this ba the girl he babysat, and starts trying to ride him, at, you know, because he's in bondage gear, and it's like he can't get away from. Like she's like Pepe Le Pew in this. She is like a gorgeous Pepe Le Pew lady, and I'm like, what even is this as a gag? At the high school reunion, which lasts far less time than it should have done because it would have been a great place to unpack a whole load of drama. You know, drama is the sort of thing that adults go through. As do teenagers. There's whole programs devoted to it. You know, be there for, for the drama. <laughs> 
Anyway, Oz propositions Heather because he's like, you know, I, I, I've seen you now and I love you and I want you to stop being with this guy who's weirdly into me and then Stifler comes along and punches him. And they play that music from when they first got together in the first film. But that was playing at the same time as Vicky and Kevin were getting together in a bedroom and they were on the dock and it's non-diegetic music. It's not their song because they didn't hear that music. They're also, I might add, hoping to bring in the young crowd with this one. They are? It's Cara and her friends. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of fucking spring break bullshit going on in this one. There's one- But they also want to call them sluts. There's, yeah, they also want to call them sluts and denigrate them. You don't bring in a young crowd by going, these girls who want sex, they're sluts. You've literally not only learned nothing, you've actually blasted away all the brain cells that, that you might have had. With. This is fucking rotten as a movie. And as an end, I, I can't see them doing another one. Like, they could, they could get everyone back who's still alive, they're gonna lose a bunch, but like, what's to be accomplished at this point? They've gone all the way around. They've got a kid. And this was in 2012. It was either too early, like not long enough after the wedding, or it would only have worked if there wasn't a two and three. 1999 and then the reunion in 2012, that's kind of something, and then they could actually make it something. There was one laugh I recall, and it was just, it was a bit of drama as well. It was uh, the, the, the young teenage guys fuck with them and splash them, and so Stifler arranges something and their jet skis get smashed. And it's like several thousand dollars worth of two jet skis. And someone says, well, you destroyed their jet skis? And, and uh, Stifler goes, well, they, they splashed us. And then there's a tiny pause for thought, because as much as a horrible character that he's playing, Sean William Scott's actually better than this character, and better than and this performance, has, and better than this fucking series. He has a moment of realising... Oh, maybe that was heavy-handed. Yeah. <laughs> Which is more than mm. Stifler usually has. At the end, uh, Stifler's mom gets together with Jim's dad, and... Stifler gets together with Finch's mom, and then Stifler's mother gives Jim's dad a blowjob in the cinema with a popcorn bucket on her head to issue. He comes, presumably in her mouth. The end. That was American Pie, folks. The Tomatometer, in case you're wondering. 61% for the original, 52% for the sequel, as they were like, ooh, are we hitting the law of diminishing returns early? Only two years after the first one. Then 54%, it actually went up a little bit by 2% for the wedding. Maybe a few of the, maybe the dog shit eating scene was less effective on the critics than it was on me in terms of making me feel like comedy was dead. And maybe they were touched by a few of the more touching moments and Stifler actually becoming a little bit, um, you know, more grown up. It's all gone now. It's all, you know, he's just slapping asses. Because he ends the movie slapping an ass. It's like, yeah, Stifler's back. He's abusing women. Uh, treating them like nothing. Um, the fourth film got 45%, the lowest by far of all of them. Uh, but in perspective, the uh, straight-to-DVD ones, uh, Girls Rules, the uh, 2020 one that came out recently, was the highest of all the straight-to-DVD ones wow. at a whopping 30% freshness. Uh, book of Love, 28% freshness. I'm assuming that relates to the uh, the book, the lore of the book that tells oh, you how to please yeah, women. The Bible. Yeah, wasn't very good at pleasing critics, let me say that right now. Uh, Bandcamp, which you'd imagine would be pretty racy, 17%. The Naked Mile, 
zero percent freshness. No! Oh my god, that's gonna be so bad. And Beta House, NA. Oh. It's just fucking stop percent freshness. <laughs> I was gonna. I thought you. I genuinely thought there you were gonna give me a negative figure. I was, I was thinking I didn't think Rotten Tomatoes did minuses. Okay. There are a couple of movies that are Prometheus for a specific genre to uh, to evolve, which weirdly work in the opposite direction. When Scream came out, it should have precipitated a whole bunch of much smarter movies about that were horrors, but instead it precipitated a time of dumber slashes that were way worse and more aggressive and straightforward and all pretending to be clever but actually being fucking dumb as donkey dick than the Scream first series, including all of the sequels to Scream. Then... Wait. You, you mean Prometheus as in something causing a chain reaction in the genre, not the film Prometheus and what that did for the Alien franchise. Yeah, no, sorry. No. I mean giving it fire as opposed yeah. to having its liver ripped out and being a <laughs> shitty Alien prequel. Um, Shaun of the Dead should have been the last zombie film, and it was the last slow zombie film. Because after that, it was all just Zack Snyder's super-fast, rabid crombies. 21 Jump Street was basically like the last time you can do a fucking shit-ass frat house movie. Mainly because of the way that the uh, the other kids react to Jenko. Mm -hmm. You know when Jenko comes in and acts like Stifler? And yeah. they're like, Hey, what the hell? Are you serious? I'll turn that gay-ass music off. You punch me because I'm gay? What? No. I... Oh, come on. That's not cool, man. That is really insensitive. I didn't punch him because he's gay. I punched him, and then he happened to turn out to be gay afterwards. I was gay when you punched me! In a weird way, it might have been homophobic not to punch you just because you were gay. Right. You punched a little gay black kid in the face, it's not even second period. The Jump Street films are so fucking smart and canny that they make it like, if you do something like this now, straight, and you just make it a disgusting shit-ass frat movie, you look even worse because so many smarter things have already subverted this. Yeah. I would suggest, by the way, that the Jump Street movies also do that for the Buddy Cop movie. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And the reason we haven't covered Jump Street is because they're police. We will, at some point. I think we've been waiting for there to be some kind of headway, some kind of cleaning house in a concerted manner, specifically in law enforcement in the USA. Demilitarization for starters, still waiting. Hot Fuzz is one of the greatest comedies of all time. British police force also needs a clean up. Anyway, uh, if you want a decent version of American Pie, I'd still say see that original just because it's a fucking relic. Avoid the second, third, and especially especially Reunion, like the play, no one ever needs to see Reunion. All it does is assault the earth. Chris Klein's mum didn't need to see Reunion. Yeah. Uh, but there is a British equivalent, which I actually think does the whole, and then they grew a bit, and then there's a sequel to it, and then they grew a bit more, and then they actually stopped because they had ha the writers had to accept, and it was always the same writing team as opposed to this, that these guys had gotten to a plateau. I still would like to see some kind of reunion, but we can still wait a while. And that is the Inbetweeners. This really disgusting British TV version of American Pie. If you were going to make a, an American version of the Inbetweeners, they would have to tone it down so much, it would be indistinguishable from just shit-ass frat house movies. But there's also a wry observational comedy running throughout. 
and it's laugh out loud funny. In between us one is the we've just graduated, now we're going to go on holiday to Mykolos or one of the Greek islands or something like that for a, a spring break, y'all, but they're fucking nerds, so they are totally not part of the in crowd. And in the second one, they go to Australia, and there's there's relationship drama across all of them, and maturing eventually. Though the kids will drive you nuts as they as they walk up the rocky road to maturity. But yeah, the in-betweeners. And that's it. That's American Pie. We turn that thing into an apple crumble in just under three hours. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who has stuck with us all the way through this pie-eating contest. It was truly a marathon. More pie, hon? No more pie. But we had some laughs and we learned a few things too, including how not to respect women. We will be back next week for a much, much better film from the same era, analyze this, our favorite mafia movie, even over The Godfather, Alex, especially over The Godfather. And we're bringing on Hunter and Amy from Two Shrinks Pod. So if you wanted a respite from all the stupid, it's coming up right here. And a massive thank you, as always, to our $15 sponsors who get credit every episode. Thank you to Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alejandra Vargas, Alex Brewington, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Marty Polmeyer, Matthew A. Siebert, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Timu Hellas-Hayu, Tim Wazenski, Timothy Green, Toby Skills-Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And School's Out.
around the belly, face down on the mattress one. And you hold me, and we are broken. Still it's all that I wanna do, just a little. I'll feel myself heavy off the ground. I'm scared, I'm not coming down. No, no, and I won't break the moment. She's got the toss down, locked down in a smile, but nothing is alright, alright. Baby, I want something else Not listening well 